Today's chat is brought to you by, well, all of your support. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through Podbean's crowdfunding, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a patron of the FFC, please be sure to visit our website and click on the support link. Even a single dollar helps. And for those of you who are already patrons, thank you again for your generosity. You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search, focus that fire. And so we come together. Join us. Join the discussion. Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Welcome back for episode 174 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on July 19th over on twitch.tv slash Chat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Our topic for tonight's episode is going to be a look at the Chronicon. But first, let's run through a quick introduction of those on the show for tonight. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 Next up, we have our own master of social media, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, I hope you're doing well. How has the week treated you so far? One second. I think I got it. Yeah, I got it. There's been a mosquito in my uh, so, freaking office. So <laughs> green, is, green, is, green is literally beating off the people trying to send her whips, is what I'm understanding. <laughs> I mean, I've only chat, gotten two tonight. Chat fatality. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, it's it's been... Oh my gosh, it's been really warm here in Colorado, and the mosquitoes and the flies have been coming into the houses a lot. Green is Mr. Miyagi. (laughs) I'll take it. Oh, I take it. Thank you, Black Flag. Uh, Yes, but yeah, it's been been a good week. It's been a creative week as far as like getting stuff done, but... Beyond that, I got my bad juju this week. Did not flawless it, but did solo it. That's cool. It's a pulse and rifle. It's actually really good in Crucible. Um, <laughs> took it into comp on Wednesday. Okay. What, All right. So. What, what, you, you're laughing at me? No, I'm laughing because it's, it's still a pulse rifle. It's still pretty good. You Okay, listen, you. I've got beef with you, okay? What did we I do this time? This what did I do about, this time? <laughs> We've Jerry, had this discussion Jerry, about, like, Jerry, right? Jerry. Right? Um, we've had this discussion about Gambit and Crucible and weapons and like that. And I am here to say that I believe it was, like, 2 a.m. Tuesday. No, it would have been Wednesday morning, 2 a.m. Tuesday night kind of thing. Um, you freaking said in our Twitter DMs <laughs> with another person in I the I just hear the... I hear the... That, <laughs> all right, at 2.05 a.m., he said this. I he enter it said, to the court for review. Right. That is exactly what it is. And it's, so it's like... Yeah, but it wasn't a pulse rifle. You, no, but you you were enjoying Gambit. No. Okay. You, Whoa. You, you said it was tolerable. Whoa. You said yeah, it was let's tolerable. Not, and let's not blow the quote you out of proportion. Because I clarified that right afterwards. I said it was becoming bearable. 
What I'm gonna find that. <laughs> I, I remember that? because I remember going back and go. being like, "Do not take this out of context." I said it was. I am totally taking. I win. That's what I'm saying. I'm taking it out of context. It's I win. Internet. It's on the internet. You yeah, enjoyed it, he, right? He enjoyed. He enjoyed the loadout I gave him. He was oh, yeah. enjoying the because uh, breakneck. The I, thought, I think and the was Reaper. that was was that after uh, I got breakout or was that when I was still chasing. I can't remember. Was that before break I got breakout? You were still chasing break, it. Whatever. You were whatever chasing the it. break breakneck. Whatever the the auto rifle. Breakneck. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that yeah. one. Break I don't know. The pinnacle weapon. The one that I hold thing hold down and things die. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Thunderlord of auto rifles. I can agree. I'm pulling. I'm pulling up this freaking conversation. <laughs> I am too. Okay. Oh I am. Because I'm pretty sure I like did not. You... I did not say what you're saying. I said. You, I'm just taking it as a win for me because you enjoyed the loadout I gave you. Oh, yeah. I don't care what you actually said at this point. Um, Blue's heart grew three sizes that day. (laughs) I just, I've been trying so hard for him to like semi-enjoy himself through Gambit. And granted, I get Gambit is kind of a dumpster fire right now in some respects. I'll tell you what, though, what really actually what did more than anything to help was I start, I don't know, I think I tweeted it. But I just started blasting the uh, Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack. And I don't know what it is about that soundtrack, but I am, like, enthralled with it. And it just, me- it just like, it matched the pacing of Gambit for some reason, like, the way I was playing. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was like, a huge thing was just getting it to, um, getting it to a point where I was, like, I'm not, like, cursing the entire time. Right. It was amazing. It was, like, the most... Like heartfelt thing you've ever sent me. Of like, I don't think that's hey, accurate at not, all. Like, I think that's not, a little out I'm of not... context too. Green, your rebuttal. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. And that is not that is that makes me sound like a complete a hole, and that's no, not accurate. You're you're not you're you're yeah, not an a hole. Here it is. It says it's just also have to say that chatting about gambit playstyles, I'm finding it easier to lock into a niche. Green helped with loadouts as well, which makes it more bearable. I still count that as a win. That is a her win in my book. Her response That's immediately, like I'm clipping this and saving it. With. And I'm like, and I would emphasize that I stated that this makes it more bearable, not that it is enjoyable. <laughs> Just to be clear, <laughs> mm-hmm. in your clipping of something out of context. I'm so, yeah, I still count it as a win. <laughs> it's a win for me. That's a win. That's a win for me. Take what you can get. That made my week, Right. And it was I was wrong. I was wrong about the time. It was Monday at eight fifteen p.m. So not at two a.m. Although blue blue does send stuff to me at two a.m., which is yeah. Well, that one was that was actually that was actually a reasonable one. Yeah, that was at yeah. nine eight, nine p.m. There's another mosquito in my room. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah. Now that we have that argument cleared up, <laughs> got it. In the hot seat as guest co-host, we have our good friend Infested Potato. Potato, how are you doing? Did you get clipped out of context by Green? I, I don't. I, I don't think I did. But hi, I, I, I am here. I'm just the voice in the background for the last five minutes has been instigating. Um, no, I'm good. It's it's been a good week. A uh, bit of a busy one, finishing up some schoolwork and some uh, and some training and stuff going on. But no, overall pretty good. Uh, was excited to get on here last minute talking to green today so learn some i just finished up reading reading chronicon yesterday i reread it today so nice nice some, yeah yeah some interesting stuff going on in this book yeah that's for sure well and speaking of some of those fun things green i think that kind of was a tie-in to your emergency question of the week yeah the emergency question because 
Green, who said she was going to tweet out Thursday night, <laughs> totally botched that and forgot. So I tweeted out this this morning. Yeah, this morning. Thursday Green or forgot, this, so Friday Green had to pick up. Yep, fi- Friday Green had to had to really pick up the deal. But we had a lot of responses. Like we had twenty five responses on this, which is for a general question, not a poll or anything like that. That's really not too bad for us. So the question of the week was. What is the one outrageous thing you'd like to see done in the story of Destiny? And the reason I say that is because of Chronicon being kind of outrageous and just outlandish in a lot of its presentations. So we had a whole slew of things. Anything from pens wanting a coffee shop that guardians can spend bright dust to get a good cup of coffee that we can walk around in with in the tower to Only time if it traveling. Makes us run faster in the tower. I would totally. It doesn't, but it makes you vibrate. <laughs> it makes the controller just like, vibrate. Constantly. Yeah, like Lewis. Like, like Lewis. Like Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know they would never do that because people would take that out of context and use it for evil. Um, oh gosh, uh, time traveling things back to the golden age or multiverse. Uh, create a meaningful split between guardians who walk the Sarah's road versus those who are in the Traveler's Light. Uh, use a well of wishes to bring Cade back. A lot of people wanted to bring Cade back. Some people wanted to go to Twilight Gap, as in, as implied in the Perfect Paradox lore. There, let's see, I'm trying to see if I can find one that was like the most crazy. Faction Wars came up a few times. Oh, Sagacite wins. Blow up Earth. <laughs> okay. That was probably... I mean, the, oh, yeah, okay. I'm... It's it's outlandish, and it would get rid of the traveler problem. I mean, would Dwyer's it? got a good one too. Our guardians interacting with voice lines. Yeah, I think he had the most likes underneath as far as responses go. A little rabbit put, "I want to see one of my characters totally out of armor in pajamas walking through the tower for a late night glass of milk." All of a sudden, boom! Imports bad guys, and I run around in just my peregrine greaves and nothing else. Knees for everyone, which I take that as rabbit just sleeps in peregrine greaves, and that's it. I mean, for Texas, for Texas, sure, for Texas. Oh my gosh! Well, I think I remember this from D one, and I don't know who it was. There was a, a, a it was a streamer who had he called it his tower casual outfit or something like that. And it was, oh. and he kept all of his armor from like when he first made mm-hmm. the character, where you mm-hmm. had like the, you had like the really short neck scarf, and then you had like it was just like it was white, and it was all white. And every time he'd go into the tower, he would change into his tower casual guardian <laughs> uniform, and he would just walk around like that. And I'm like, that's awesome! Like you just change your outfit depending on. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna put on my my guardian casual uniform. It's like a little scarf. There's no hood over it, so the, your head's all exposed, and you're walking around with like essentially shorts and a t-shirt is essentially what it was right it's pretty awesome i miss some of like the just keep a blue around because the blues tend to look like really really small compared to your heavier gear and your purples and your legend or exotics or greens wear green so it looks like you're just wearing a t-shirt jared von kell destiny the musical complete with a hive orchestra cabal heavy metal number a fallen chorus and a tap dancing vex zavala and ikora could even do a duet what was that one? Where that was that? Jared Von Kell. Oh, gosh. A musical version? <laughs> a musical. This... A hive orchestra, a cabal heavy metal number, a fallen chorus, and a tap dancing vex. And Zavala mean... and Ikora doing a duet. <laughs> I would not be opposed to this. I would not be opposed to this at all. There's too much, be like the too the much talks Slayer. of Broadway this evening. <laughs> right? All right, Blue. Let's, uh... let's get out of this. <laughs> 
Well, as always, I know we love hearing feedback. I know Green and Potato yes. obviously had fun curating the the feedback this time. Uh, so yeah. so we'll we'll continue getting those up, and then also remember they do actually will or what we have it is green will post them on twitter and then i have it set to automatically post in the discord so i know we had a couple people comment i think today about how they they weren't on twitter and it's like that's why that's why we do that is so if you're in discord uh you'll still you'll still be able to participate uh and all that so don't worry about that just keep an eye out i believe we have it set to go to um just the general focus fire chat channel so so be sure to sound off and let us know your thoughts when you see those things uh get posted and I know everyone here is actually, I, I think they're a little hesitant, but I think that ultimately we are looking forward to dive into the discussion. So we're going to run through some standard intro notes and then we'll get right into it. In our last episode of Focus Fire Chat, we discussed Callus. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to rate and if you can, leave us a written review on iTunes or comment on the episodes on Podbean or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews are extremely helpful as they not only let us know what we can do better, but help continue to expand the FFC family, which allows more and more perspectives to be heard. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a gathering place where the intent is to offer a week-long in-depth view of a particular subject from within game lore, with a special focus on the Destiny universe. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday, at around 10pm Central, we get together to stream a high-level summary of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. If you're a fan of lore in all its various forms, be sure to also check out thelorenetwork.com, where you can find a wide variety of some amazing content that covers a number of different titles and mediums. This will also be the home for the Focus Fire Chat episode note archives and articles going forward. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on Marcus Wren and SRL. However, as always, please be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know which topic you will want to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter at Focus Fire Chat or within the Discord server. With that being said, here's Green with a high-level summary of tonight's topic. Recorded by Scribe... The following pages are a true and authentic publication of the incredible deeds and remarkable discoveries of the Emperor Callus, greatest emperor of the Cabal, witnessed by his most loyal allies and recorded by his most trusted scribes. Let my chronicon be a shining beacon of truth and an age muddied by lies. Footnote. The scribe employed at this future date shall please provide additional details here as to the actual events that occurred, deaths, triumphs, courses at the banquet, and their contents shall be included to demonstrate the true majesty and greatness of the Emperor Callus. Delete this footnote upon the actualization of this history. Before we jump into the information and thoughts the community had about the Chronicon, however, let's have a quick chat about this week's Lost Lore. All right, so for this week's Lost Lore, 
I wanted to actually touch on the actual meaning of Chronicon, uh, because Chronicon is an actual, it's a term that is actually in, it's real, <laughs> and this is something that is used. Um, and so what we what we usually will see Chronicon used is, or used for, is within histori- historiography, uh, which is a form of philosophy, and I'm, I'm going to explain that in just a second. Uh, a Chronicon is a type of chronicle or, or annal. And these are meant to serve as a concise historical record in which events are arranged chronologically, year by year. And so that's where you get the chronicon term from. Uh, Typically, events are all recorded and treated equally. And that's what that means is that both important and significant events and just regular mundane events are all recorded with the equal, equal, uh, equal level of attention to detail. Because the purpose of these these particular works is that it is meant to record the events that occurred, as seen from the chronicler's point of view. This is not meant to be a narrative of history. Uh, that's actually something that would be later done, because the context of events and exclusion of items would not be accepted in most of these types of works. And that is because the entire goal for a chronicon or a chronicle is to create in as much as possible an unbiased presentation of events as they occurred, which allows others or even the author themselves to return to the record at a later date to review and examine without fear of bias or hidden agendas. Now, that being said, obviously, that's going to be a that's a taller order than most people can live up to. Uh, we see that within even our own histories. Uh, two of the more famous examples of this type of work can be seen in what's ref- what's called the Pan- Pan- Pantodape Historia, which is translated into Universal Histories, uh, compiled by Eurispius of Caesarea, and that was written roughly around the early fourth century. And then also the Temporum Liber, or the Book of Times, written by Jerome, St. Jerome of the Catholic Church, in 380 AD. Now, both of these are basically, they are early attempts to record the concept known simply as universal history. Universal history is is an idea that aims at presenting the history of mankind as a whole coherent unit. And this was really actually, at the time that these were written, was a, a novel concept. Like they, they really had never thought about doing this. Um, so you see, especially in the Western tradition, we will commonly see this concept. It's this idea of universal history. You see it often divided into three major aspects or parts. And this is some, so you will probably recognize these terms. You have ancient, medieval, and modern times. Um, Ancient history is anything prior to 30,000 BC to about 400 AD, which is basically your Bronze and Iron Ages. Uh, Your medieval period is going to be anything that takes place between 400 and about 1500 AD, which is basically your early, high, and late medieval periods. And then your modern times is actually divided up quite interestingly enough. Uh, It's anything from basically the 1500s to roughly the 1950s. And so what you see here is a kind of a split between what's referred to as modern and contemporary. Modern is early and late modern periods are going to be 1500 to 1950. Contemporary period is basically anything anything after 1950 to the present day. 
So what that does is that it basically means that they give uh, buckets that they can put events within. So it either happened in an ancient, medieval, or modern time. And this concept is bound into the roots of historiography. It's a, and, and like I said, historiography is a school of philosophy. Uh, and it rose within about the 19th century. And that was where it came into really big prominence. And it was focused on the idea that history written with strong connections to primary sources would allow for a more integrated and unbiased, as much as possible, big picture. So the idea of this universal history uh, that was started back in the 4th century, early 4th century, in the 19th century actually kind of got really started, it really started to get steam. Uh, it's actually described by H.G. Wells as a, as a concept, as something more, um, sorry, H.G. Wells noted universal history as something more and something less than the aggregate of the national histories which we are accustomed, and that it must be approached in a different spirit and dealt with in a different manner within his work, The Outline of History. The importance of that quote is the outline of history is actually very, very influential on what we today understand to be what a history book is. The Outline of History was actually a model that H.G. Wells, who is, you know, you probably recognize that name from... um, the time traveler, uh, the the idea he actually was really a big compo- or proponent of universal history, and in the outline of history, he went all the way back and tried as much as possible to connect everything that occurred within the world of human or of humankind, the history of humankind, connected it to primary sources where he could, and he he split them into these these parts ancient medieval and modern and the presentation model that he used in the outline of history would then later go on to be significantly influential in the compositions of pretty much every single history textbook that you see today so he's he's a he's kind of like one of the big focal points there you also have uh thinkers such as kant you have uh, nietzsche um all of the all the philosophers uh had dabbled in historiography because they were they were familiar with it because they were all philosophers, um, and because it also was what they used to explain their development of their own paradigms or their own uh, hypotheses of how the world worked. So that's that's where you gotta get this this idea of um, of of the chronicon. Now, what's what's really interesting, and we're gonna definitely get into this because what's really interesting here is that's what an actual chronicon is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a chronicle. It's supposed to be an unbiased chronicle. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about this, but what the chronicon that we see in Destiny, and it's a valid valid comment that a lot of people have made, is that it's anything but unbiased. And that is both reflective and separate from the way chronicons were in history history uh will you'll see a lot of histories that are written that are very uh complementary of different individuals because there's a political reason for that and there's a bit of that in the chronicon that we're going to talk about here as well there there's a bit of political uh undertow if you will that is going on for the people who are writing it the scribes are are they're not exactly free to just write whatever they want. There is a patron of this particular Chronicon and making sure that that patron stays pleased with the information that's being contained within the book is arguably almost the same level of importance as making sure that the book is accurate. Um, which again, that's, 
not something that's unique to Destiny. Uh, most of these most of these works were not cheap to make, and they needed patrons of nobility or noble blood. And so, you know, if they weren't in the the, the church, which is why uh, Jerome's work is kind of an interesting deviation from others, um, they were beholden to those patrons to a degree. And so that's that's really the the history of that term, I guess, is where I kind of want to leave it. I don't know, Green Potato, did you want to throw anything on there before? I mean, kind of the the continued thing. You were talking about how it influenced history books and how they were written and whatnot and trying to keep primary sources as a thing. Annuals, I think, are a very modernistic mm-hmm. way um, I, way of, of having a chronicon. Um, not necessarily a major area history a lot of times, annuals, but I know that the town I grew up in has an annual and whatnot like, that just depicts what happened that year it's just a factual thing there's no there's no opinions there's no nothing going yeah, on with it. so it's and just, so got married this is so what and happened. so died yep. so and so was born there was a f- there was a flood in 19 whatever and those and you know and i i know that a lot of people will like kind of scoff at that but those are actually really important because mm-hmm. when you look back at, you know, let's talk about just in American history, you look back at like the, you know, the Dust Bowl or the, the Great Depression, these events that that just completely racked the country. And, you know, we would not know some of the stories that we we know without those particular works being created by these small towns like that's that's stuff that would be lost because, I mean, in some extreme cases, the entire town died. And all that we had was the records that were left. I mean, that's not it's not very right. common that that happened. But I mean, but that is that is an example of why it's important to to chronicle events and try to chronicle them, you know, exactly like what you're saying, Green, is like, you know, just being like, hey, on January 1st, so and so passed away on January 2nd, you know, just like dot, 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 just as it happens. Mm-hmm. Not to bring this uh, doesn't uh, I don't know if she still do, or they still do it uh, purple. The mm-hmm. uh, town historian. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She. And I mean, yeah. And that's. And that's uh, when we were. When we. I had just kind of bring up an example of somebody. What somebody. Their yeah. Is some in. example of somebody we know who does. Yeah. Uh, yeah kind of. the, uh, the one that I'm thinking. The example that was used was. Oh God. It wasn't. It wasn't Hamilton. It was. Um, it was another one of the. Not. Founding fathers. I don't know if it was a founding father. But yeah, I mean that was the example. Franklin had his. Own oh, manuals. Franklin was a freaking. Anyways, he, uh, yeah, he has his own. Thing. Yeah, Franklin. Franklin. Franklin is not a chronicle you want to base anything off of because it's one of the most biased pieces of. Um, but no, like you can see, you can see that. Well, and I mean, and to a degree, also knowing that it's going to be biased, it also you can you can take information away from it, right? I mean, anything that's written down is is helpful to give a. Even if it's fiction, it's helpful to give a tone of that time because there's there's influences that will allow that person to think of that. Um, you know, Purple does mostly work with like letters to and from individuals, and you know, based on the in based on the relationship that those individuals had, you know, the letters could be accurate. They could be, uh, they could exclude certain inf- You know, and it was just like it's interesting to see the different ways that even back then they wrote and they communicated even with the pen and pen mm-hmm. uh, pen and paper there was still communication bias but then back then um right 
And I, I, th- I think, so, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go for it. No, I was going to say, I was like, do we know of any any today that try to make attempts at predicting the future? I mean, Let's talk about the difference between yeah. Chronicon, right. the Chronicon of Destiny versus the Chronicon of Real well, Life. Well, yeah, and I mean, I, mean, I mean, I'm sure somebody has tried to do it at some point. I mean, you, know? you have Nostradamus, famous ones, but I mean, yeah. you, I mean, you even have stuff like almanacs. I mean, they're yeah. not really, they're mm-hmm. not really. Pre- I mean, they. It's kind of a gray area, right? It's, it's like it's 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 not a it's not a prediction of the future as much as it's like, hey, over the last twenty five years, this is kind of when the the seasons, you know, this happens. We noted so, a pattern. Yeah, the, the right. pattern seems to be this. Um, well, I mean, any sort of predictive thing is based a uh, lot. If it's got any sort of quote validity, it's based off of. Uh, Patterns and scientific, yeah, yeah, scientific study or you know that's analysis. Ironically, we getting our our, the comic books sent out by Bungie that makes me kind of chuckle because that's ironically the line that Osiris used in his to explain his prophecies is that it's based off patterns and it's based off Mm -hmm. like like logic. It's not it's not prophecies. It's it was logical like hypotheses. so yeah, actually, that kind of that's funny, um, but yeah. So I didn't I didn't know uh, I think, but I I think that just was really just kind of to show that the concept of a chronicon it's not something that like you know oh hey we're gonna make up a word for destiny no no these things are actually like these are very prominent within even our own history and are very important to our history they they ultimately are our history. Um, yeah. Bungie's always been really good at tying in things that you know are somewhat there's like, a, like that one or two degrees of truth to like from from the destiny universe to the real life you know right, whether that be right. like the the music of the spheres and things along the like pulling things like it's not lost on anybody obviously that you know the curse of osiris was very egyptian inspired by osiris and nubis and all the other deities you know? and then you have the stuff that is obviously pulls from the greek and roman with the cabal and you name it you know they're they're very good at pulling out those little degrees of our history and putting them into destiny to make it believable or at least somewhat believable you know oh i could see how that could happen right applying that to the lore yeah and that's i mean that's what is really fun about doing some of these lost lore sections is kind of like shining a light like click click what's that what's that connection so um and we're, Definitely. we're gonna we're gonna uh, green i'll let you i'll let you lead us into the, okay. the new thing that we're doing so because of how the episodes tend to be this very long intellectual thing and teaching, the smartest thing to do is create little brain breaks so your brain can reset and refocus and focus fire onto the new item or topic of discussion. So what Blue will be doing here in a moment is he'll be playing a basically it's they're just something different. Sometimes they're little commercials, sometimes they're little things of us just being silly, but it is just something to give you entertainment before we move on to the main meat of the topic. We are all busy people. We have lives, families, and not a lot of time to dive into the things we may be curious about. Luckily, podcasts provide us a way to consume the knowledge of others in a way that doesn't interrupt our day, and isn't really all that creepy for them either. Let your friends know about your favorite podcast, and if they are a Destiny fan and you're tired of answering all their lore questions, send them to us. We don't mind breaking them in for you. So, with that being said, an introduction to what the Chronicon within Destiny is. 
Um, hey, so before we do that, mm-hmm. can we just say who wrote the Chronicon since we found out that for sure at the lore panel? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. So I don't remember, but yes, because I completely blanked Jill on that one. Shaw. Okay. Jill oh, that's Shaw right. That's right. It was her It was her. It was her. Let's set the book on fire and walk out the door. She wrote the prediction that was that's right. The last thing she was supposed to do was the predictions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she said, let me set the office on fire as I leave and drive that's, the that's, entire that's... community into a tizzy. <laughs> Because I mean, that's, why that's, not? No, I'm not. Making, I don't I'm not making. I, I'm not saying she did it with any malcontent yeah. or anything like that. It's just like it's I like things that you do. That you're John, just like, I'm going to cause some trouble. John's explanation it. was she just wanted to kill everyone. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's there's that, and it's just the she was the pun master. She was the humor, one of the main drives of humor of like that really dry humor. So it's just like. What better way to get out is just by throwing all your favorite characters, all the all the different things into just one last Meat little twist. Yeah, basically twist of the knife into the side. And we're going to get it into like all the different characters a little bit that she basically just went, you're done. And please don't take that as I'm mad at Jill or anything. I think she did an oh, amazing no. job. And I just I just love that idea, though, of going, you know, this is the last thing I want to work on. <laughs> How do, how, how do I make sure they remember me? You know, and just, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I made sure the guardian killed the vanguard and then blew up Earth. Essentially. <laughs> and then I turned and I turned I turned uh, Halea's basin into a theme. Park. Oh yeah, to a theme park with with uh, was it wa- wallowing pits? Right, mud pits to wallow in. Oh, all uh, right. So this introduction of the topic, the summary, the high level summary. Mm-hmm. You want me to do it? Is that going yeah. in this month? Yeah, that goes in. I, uh, so a okay. quick introduction to the Chronicon. Callus uh, actually explains this in one of the earlier uh, books. I think it's actually the first entry. Uh, he says, let my Chronicon be a shining beacon of truth in an age muddied by lies. We'll get into the, I want to call it hypocrisy, I think is not too strong of a word in that statement, but we'll get into that in just a second. Uh, basically, the Chronicon is it's it's meant to serve as a historical archive of the Cabal Empire, with the especial focus on the accomplishments of Kalos. So, it's not actually a historical archive of the Cabal Empire. It's a historical, I'm air quoting historical archive of Kalos's accomplishments within the Cabal Empire after the coup. How, After the right, coup, coup. right, which then is also qualified because the tome does not actually begin until after the Midnight Coup. So it's not even actually a historical archive of the Cabal Empire or the callus within the Cabal Empire. It's a it's an archive of events after callus is no longer part of the Cabal Empire, arguably thus not a historical archive of the Cabal. It's just like it's like this entire thing. It's, an like it's, 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 an, it's a biography of his mm-hmm. exile. Essentially, yeah, kind well, of his, like, his 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 version of his, his version, version of his right, exile. right, yeah, it's, his version of his exile. I mean, is the thing is, is that Callus isn't necessarily one dictating a lot of this. It is, it's like a love letter from the Scions to Callus to make him happy. Yeah, and yeah, I, no, I, I think absolutely, that absolutely. I mean, like I, that that goes back There's to what I was coming. There's aspects that are dictated, but there are two entries that are dictated, I believe. Mm-hmm. That, or one entry right. that's dictated, one entry that's written. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think this kind of goes back to what 
I had kind of was commenting on about the actual like actual Chronicons in reality is you can see the play but or the 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 give and take between the three scribes that we will we'll be introduced to here shortly and Callus. Like you see that very quickly in the entries. Um, and actually, that's how we get introduced to the third scribe is because one of the scribes kind of oversteps their bounds. And so while Green, you are correct, Callus did not write the book. Callus uh, definitely was a very hands on patron within the book's creation. Uh, and so I think that's all I mean, but that's not even that. So that aspect, I would say, is actually probably not historically inaccurate to what a Chronicon would be. Mm-hmm. The other aspects are kind of just kind of they're not quite bald faced lies, but they're they're pretty close because um, this is not a historical archive of the Empire. It's not even really an archive of Callus. It's really like I think Potato, you were saying it's like a, a it's a biography of his life following the exile um, from his point of view, from his like, point of view, which I mean, that's, that's fine. Point of view. Yeah, I mean, like that's and that's fine. Like, I don't, I don't really necessarily like because it's identified as being from his point of view. So, like, that's as a as a from a researcher point of view, the fact that it's identified as being from a certain point of view is actually helpful because then you're like, okay, you go into it knowing this is gonna be this is gonna be biased like pretty heavily, right? Um, yeah. So that kind of brings us to the first entry. Now, the interesting thing with these entries is very quickly <laughs> you will notice that there are missing entries. There's quite a lot of missing entries. The first entry yeah. is one. The second entry is 578. So <laughs> we're, we're going to take a few jumps on these. Timeline that we keep talking about that doesn't exist. Yeah, Dino, Dino is saying that in chat right now. We only have 2.62% of the overall book. So, oh, that's going to be fun. Um and so the first entry is written by a, and all the scribes that we'll be mentioning here are scions, uh, which is, uh, mm-hmm. I think, something else to point out. Uh, the scion council is actually aboard the Leviathan. We kind of get a confirmation there. Um, we do get a little bit of a concept of the uh, the the relationship between these scion scribes. It's not as prevalent and it's not as prominent as the relationships are described as in the Confessions, which is another entry or another lore book that we have. Uh, because Confessions is actually written by one of these. I think it's is it Tlazat that writes the Confessions or is it Shagak? I, I can't so. remember. It's one of those two. But it's actually his right. like unfiltered thoughts. And so the Confessions is actually something that if you're going to read the Chronicon, I would really strongly suggest reading both of them because it kind of balances balances it out. Oh, Match. Match is the author of Confessions. Thank you, uh, Dino. Um, all right, so Entry 1. Entry 1 is basically an introduction. That's what it is. It's an introduction. It's basically Talat's, Tlazat. God, I'm going to butcher this name. Uh, and he's basically writing, hey, this is the book. This is the purpose of the book. Um, I'm just going to go through pretty high level summary unless green you think there's do we need to dive deep into any of these uh, i think the the big thing with this this first entry is that the writer tells out to basically says hey this is a history this is going to be an accurate history i'm going to write this down accurately let me tell you how accurately i'm going to write it down kind of thing and it's hey by the way it's for our emperor who's joyful and majestic and could ride a unicorn the, the across writing, the sky yeah. 
I mean, it's the, there's a little bit of a love letter there, but also how accurate, and this is a history. So as far as the three writers in this book, Zalzat is the one, as far as I am concerned, that is trying to write down a history. I would agree with that. As f- I would under because, and, and even then you see already a disconnect between what had, and I guess before I finish that sentence, I will go back and edit that um, because mm-hmm. the portrayal of the midnight coup that we had access to prior to this book was also a biased presentation. So, mm-hmm. so the debate right now would be rather instead of, Oh, this is an outright lie. It's which one of these tellings is actually accurate. You know, like I, I'm, I'm personally tempted to say probably the ones that we see within the like I think what was it the was it Midnight Coup was that the weapon that it had the that had the Midnight Coup on it or was it the sword I can never I can't but like the present there's a gun called Midnight right Coup. right there's there's yeah, a presentation the from it's almost from Gaul's perspective and like I th- it was where he killed the Congress or the senators right no this is so the midnight coup was when Gaul like in the middle of the night kicked Callus onto the Leviathan and he did that oh, okay. because he didn't want to cuz Callus was such a popular ruler because of his way of ruling that he knew like Gaul and the other conspirators knew that if they executed him like they had execute that they would normally execute someone in a military coup that they would have a uh, revolt on their hands because they were, the the general populace was not on the same page as them let's say uh, as far as getting rid of Callus necessarily and so we have this presentation up until this point that it was something that was done quietly and in the night. And, you know, they were exiled onto the Leviathan before anyone really realized what was going on. Mm-hmm. However, I'm, re- yeah, I'm reading the card. Yeah. And however, on this entry, we see the emperor speaking to people and, you know, basically being like, don't worry, I will be back. And, you know, they're like, what was it? They, uh, they, they, the empire's most loyal and joyous subjects took to the streets to lash their hides in bloody mourning, oh, yeah. and you know, a, a, a great mania of aggrieved despair. Shook with bereavement. Yeah. The the biggest so thing. Mighty, I, oh, yeah. Go ahead. I was just I was just going to continue reading. Go for it. I, I think one of the things that I took out of this this is just more kind of head can not really head can but just my idea of like how big and powerful the cabal really are. Is the Leviathan is a prison ship. It's. It says in the in this way, mm-hmm. the emperor was placed upon a great prison ship called the Leviathan. Now I don't know if that's them saying that you know this was ship was it was originally intended to be a prison, or if it It'd was a house arrest. It, it became it became like a prison, but it the way it's written it says it was put upon a great prison ship called the Leviathan, and then later on I know later in the book somewhere it says they converted the Leviathan into yes. like a pleasure palace of kind of thing. So which makes me think it was originally was a prison ship, which is terrifying to think about that this is just a prison ship that the cabal use well and like it's how also big are, it's how also big are they building, living you know? it's it's also a living yeah. ship too oh yeah they, they it's it, it just it it kind of puts into perspective how powerful the cabal really are or were at the height of their power i mean they you could say that their empire is a little bit faulty or, or you know kind of broken now but at the height of mm-hmm. their power like how impossibly big and strong these guys were you know they had the, the you know the the Almighty which could burn out stars yes but like Leviathan eats planets mm-hmm. and it's a prison ship 
you know, you talk about hard labor, you know, it's like, right. And it actually so took I, correct. That, was, that to, was just something I, that was something that kind of grabbed me and caught me. No. And that's true. It, so. And actually just to correct myself, uh, the midnight coup, which I don't know if that's a, is that a hand cannon? I think that looks like yeah, a hand cannon. A hand cannon. A, um, yeah. that is actually callous relaying the information. So we now have two stories about the same event from the same person. So that's actually even something to bring up as it's, well. It's yeah, it's also just biased into the same. But um, and so yeah, and and there's like, and I think the the question about what the Leviathan is 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 both something that's I don't know if we'll ever get an answer to it because like there's also yeah, it's, some it's points not super important. Yeah, it's, it's not super important. There's also it's like the feeling like, that they built the Leviathan as a pleasure barge prior, and then it was turned into like they basically hijacked it and locked them in and then shut like it like what you were saying it was not necessarily a air quote prison ship it was just something that it was a mobile house arrest um, he uh he says it, he says it in the menagerie too he says the the lower the love the lower levels of the menagerie were my prison it is where all the newer tribes are tested which makes it sound almost, almost like a prison yard Ah, uh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. You see what? I, yeah. yeah. And so, so I was just kind of spinning that idea around. Like he said, you know, the, the, the so lower levels of the Leviathan were my original prison. I'm so, like, it, okay. so it's a it's so. a mobile Australia. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Everything's so, trying to kill you. Completely understand. Not, not to kind of derail us and put us onto the next card, but something I found interesting coming up is the fact that they directed it. Like when he got put on the Leviathan, he got sent in one direction. And they and yeah, had no control. They were over sealed it. Uh, from the midnight coup. He says we were sealed inside the Leviathan and ejected into the farthest reaches of space, left to the same fate I had determined for the console so long ago. We were left to die. And you're and you're talking what is that five hundred seventy eight, which is the the next card, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which yeah, I mean you basically, you, and I think this is where the reading the confessions would be helpful. Uh, for anyone who's who's just listening, um, because the confessions kind of fill the gap between these two cards a little bit, um, because we see uh, Match is mentioning that Callus is kind of in a funk. Like Callus is Callus is not the Callus that we experience in game today. He's he's depressed. He's he's uh, I think lethargic. Like he just doesn't want to move. He's he's basically defeated. And then what happens here is basically the Leviathan experiences of malfunction. We don't really know why the malfunction happens. Um, Callus presents his personal theory as to why the malfunction occurs. Uh, Tlazat kind of has a different opinion. (laughs) It's Mm. which is really interesting because he he actually breaks there's actually a line a code break symbol and then it says i Tlazat must break the convention of our record keeping for fear that this entry may be the last of our chronicon lens of truth compendium of happiness symbol of the lavish benevolence of his majesty the empire or emperor and then he goes on to say that basically after so callus has gone out into the the vacuum of space to either fix the leviathan or see what's going on we don't really know and the scions are all basically losing their minds. Um, the the council is who's it seems is connected. Uh, 
telepathically with him are starting to feel uh, pressure in their skulls. Uh, apparently, 12 of them are bleeding from their ears. The royal beasts, which are all the war dog, or what is it, the war beasts? The not mm-hmm. not the red ones, the purple ones. Um, they are all like basically just just going insane in their their kennels, um, you know. And and Talazat basically goes on to say that he can't even write. He can't even hold the instrument to write. So he is going to write with his mind until he is incapacitated. And then he goes on to say, we are afraid. We fear that our enemies have sent us to this place to die in the dark, far from the eyes of Kallus's adoring public. The emperor has not returned and is surely dead. So this is kind of that's and that's the end of the entry. So it's kind of like a it's like a cliffhanger, if you will. If this was a TV show, that would be the the last scene. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, anyone and, else kind of go for it, go for it, go for it. No, I was like, anyone else kind of get the vibe of the uh, the Exodus? Oh my God, what's the name of the Exodus ship that Mara was on? Exodus Green, the one that Mara was on. Yeah, the. Uh, Yang Liwei. Yang Liwei. Like, not, not so much the the lightness and the darkness meeting, creating the singularity kind of thing, but just that when the, the Yang Liwei first encounters what we, we, what we assume to be the darkness or like the approaching darkness and things like that. And they said it was like there was that, that signal or it was like it was a pressure in their head, like they were being scanned, like they couldn't like understand it. It was like they, they, were, they said their heads hurt and that they were ble- there was people screaming and they just couldn't apprehend it. It's like it almost feels like that. Yeah. It's, you know, like this well, is the I approaching, th- the approaching darkness kind of thing. I think that's, I mean, this whole card screams Marasena. So it's the, I think <laughs> it is, if, if most of this is considered, and Blue made the comment earlier about the, the world meddled with lies. If this is similar in so much that it is his propaganda, his whole thing, this whole card could be literally just a, straight up copy of what happened to the queen because we d- we've never heard of any other going out in a pressure suit like that out to hang out in the outside the ship type thing that is literally what mara did as for fun um the whole pressure and everything that you were talking about with that happened with yang liwei when the darkness or whatever came around the just it screams and harkens back to that other book. So it's one of those things, like, it's almost so overt that I'm like, I don't believe that's necessarily what happened, but it may have been. It's just very weird that that would have been what happened. Because it almost seems like when Blue said there was a code break in Talzat, it's like Talzat is breaking from ranks, and he's saying, you know, this is what I actually think is good. This is what is actually happening. And then right. the thing above it is what the Emperor wants you to read. And so that, that's where I just get that idea that, like, this is them like Bruce said, freaking out because this intergalactic death essentially is upcoming at them. Right. And, and I, I mean, and, and, then, and I think and that's, I think that's accurate like, too. Yeah. And Callus is like, no, I approached the, I approached it, you know, on my own because that's who I am. And Talzot's like, no, we're freaking out down here. You know, like it's going crazy. Right. You know? And I think, you know, that's, and Wicked actually just said what I was, what I'm also thinking kind of too is a possibility is that, the other the other possibility and this this is this is how far do we want to split the hair right you know is right. um what the other possibility is that Callus actually left that break in there to also replicate other legends that we know of such as mara's to kind of assimilate that sense into his own you know like cuz the the thing the thing that makes it really hard 
to determine the validity, like one of the things that makes it hard to determine the validity of the, this particular Chronicon is we don't know when exactly this, these things were written. We don't know, like a normal, like a normal Chronicon or a normal Chronicle would be written, you know, pretty, pretty close to the, the event itself. Like it's, it's, it's not necessarily the time of the event, but it's like, you know, Hey, this is this is this week's thing, you know, and adds it to the chronicle. Is the kind of the idea behind well, it? Go for it. Think about how conquering conquering um, empires work. They assimilate if they're wanting to bring in people into their fold. They assimilate the stories and legends of others. Right, so, right. No, that's 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 what I mean. Though like is that. that I think if yeah. you if you see it as, but that, that, sorry, that's that's what I'm saying is like if this was written after he encountered the Awoken. Then we have a completely right. different assimilation tactic than if this is actually written, you know, the ne- the we day don't know of the experience. How far because of the time difference between one and five seventy eight, we have no idea how correct far time wise there is. So it's it would be interesting to to know if he had seen the Awoken by then, or if if literally he did run into something very similar to what Mara ran into. We just don't have a exact pointing direction as we don't have it with any of the timeline things in destiny right right dino so. dino just made a good point it's yeah. basically 1984, 1984. Yeah. yeah right the history if things don't happen as Which, the history big brother is no yeah right and that's what we see that's what we will see later in the chronicon with the footnotes mm-hmm. left by the scribes right is that that says delete this when it does happen <laughs> or edit this when it does happen to make sure it's accurate mm-hmm. which i, I kind of go back and forth because even that particular like i don't I don't know. I have my own thoughts on that because I don't necessarily want to say that's net. That's that's not necessarily a. I don't know. I I think like I can see someone in reality doing something similar to that um, because there's there's an idea of like this is what we should look for, you know, and all that. But then I would argue that's not that's where my point of conflict comes in because that's not a chronicon. Then that's a biography, and that's that's a vastly different type of uh, of non-fiction uh than what a chronicon should be <laughs> black flag uh, so do, uh do we want to jump to i believe it's what 579 right is the very is the next yep. one so we we jumped we jumped 576 pages now we're gonna jump right to the next page uh, <laughs> i mean it's kind of a yeah it's i mean they left they left us on a cliffhanger right one. i mean you can't you can't you always have to watch the next episode that's how netflix gets you um yeah. Are you still watching? Oh uh, yeah. Are you still watching? Are you still alive? Um, Go outside. <laughs> so basically, this is again. Uh, I don't even know. T. Uh, he is still mentally writing, uh, and he says that basically after twelve hours of tremors, violent tremors, the emperor returns from his jaunt through space, and. I love this. His behavior was erratic, and it appeared from his speech that he had suffered hallucinations outside the ship. A royal mechanic identified a malfunction in the pressure gauge on the emperor's suit of the emperor's suit, perhaps explaining his change in demeanor, though it was incredible that his suit, or he himself, should be at all intact after 12 hours in these unfathomable conditions. Upon returning, and with a look of mania in his eyes, the emperor proclaimed the following... We have come upon the end of the world, and I've stared into its expanse. It has whispered into my ear, and I am enlightened. Death is coming, and it has made me its herald. The end will eat everything. 
I just there's that food thing again. I, I He's no. A I just love the fact that this scribe is just like you're crazy. Like you've yep. you've lost it. Like this is like and this is this is probably the only entry that I could probably with a modicum of some validity say that it's not necessarily biased or it's biased but it's not necessarily callous's bias. Um right. now a sudden image in my head of callous wearing one of those like signs that says the end is not. <laughs> the end is nice. Yeah. He's a doomsayer. <laughs> um now the counter argument for that is that given what's going to happen in the next entry, uh if this had not been to callous's purview I would also expect this to be purged from the Chronicon. So the fact that it's still in the Chronicon begs to begs if there's not a larger agenda going on there. Um, hmm. Which or just the sudden disappearance of that writer. Well, but that's what scribe. I mean. Is like so the scribe. That's what this would. Exp- the scribe disappears, right. but this entry is still present in the Chronicon. So if he if right. he dis this is like the explanation it depicts the the traitorous action and it, I mean as if we're gonna just kind of we're tiptoeing around it but Salza is branded a traitor and is executed and is replaced by Shagak we don't know if he's I don't know if we know that he's executed he's replaced by Shagak who so the because I don't think it says I don't think it says that he's like we'll get there in just a second Shagak is basically Tazalt's uh, understudy. If that if that makes mm-hmm. sense or apprentice, I think understudy would be the right one. Um, and so he's like the guy who's like in the wings, basically, you know, learning from the master, if you will. And uh, and so he finishes. Tazalt finishes this. How's I don't even know. I don't know why I keep trying to say this guy's name. Uh, he finishes this entry, and then the next entry is, I believe it jumps again to, oh no, we jump a couple. 602. Yeah, we jump to 602. 602. Green's our Roman numeral reader. Also, you put them numbers in the Oh service. yeah, I did, didn't I? Um, I'm actually sitting on the actual entry, so I'm like, how are you reading these? So you're a genius. Uh, well, I was also that, but sure. <laughs> Sorry. You can't take what you can get. It, take what you can get. <laughs> I know. I, 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 hear, I, hear the, I hear the shoulder like... Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so 602 is where we all of a sudden have a new scribe writing and <laughs> the first thing that's said is whereas the writings of scribe tells revealed a treasonous mistrust for a great emperor and whereas his traitorous actions resulted in a falseness writ into our records unknowingly therefore the scribe shagak shall rightly replace him as royal historian alongside scribe Ixult by order of the emperor himself let truth alone shine through these records, not personal bias or failure. <coughs> I'm just uh, that was just that was that was that was just green smell in the BS right there. It's me. It's me. It's coughing the, without actually saying it's the, the things it's I the say. BS sensor going like haywire. Yeah, but. So yeah. all the red flags went up at the same <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can't think. My, Hold my, on a second. My, the, the legion of red flags is growing up. Uh, so he said, and this entry is basically Shagak, air quote, correcting the record. Uh, he goes, he says that the great revelation. So we have the, the, the first reference to this, this vision. Uh, the great revelation was not a hallucination induced by a malfunctioning suit. I'm sorry. I have to put like the snark in this is by a malfunctioning suit. And such a suggestion is akin to treason punishable by with death by boiling. 
Number two was the expand. That's why I said, yeah, by yeah, the way, that's I, yeah, why I, I said that. that he was killed. I can see that, right. Um, number two, the expansion of the prison ship Leviathan into a great palace of pleasure was an edict supported by all of Callus' loyalists, save for the traitor Tlazat. And number three, the shadows of the Clips, the Sindhu, and the Arkborn represent the greatest, most skilled of their kind, handpicked by Callus himself, and were chosen not for any petty or personal aim, but for a greater cosmic need to help our great emperor usher in the end of times. So this one I find interesting because it did we have any mention of those before? We did not. We did in, not. So this is, which is this is where so we kind of this is a, oh, go for it. Sorry, sorry. Like two additional races. It's kind of a clarification of no, I didn't like force these these individuals into essentially indentured slave slavehood to further my own gains, but they chose because they were the best, and I chose them because they were the best, and I have the best people working for mm-hmm. me. The funny thing is we also know from Callus's own lips that that's not true. Um, Correct. <laughs> I, well, I mean, also, too... It, go ahead, sorry. So I was just going to say, those three, it, those three in particular were all um, manipulated by Callus. Forced. Like, mm-hmm. the Sindhu is... Uh, uh, Jarrus, he's the ace pilot. Arkborn was the fulminator who joined because Callus threatened her people. And Clips was uh, Rule, who was the last standing member of the uh, basically the assassination squad that tried to kill Callus after Callus came and threatened their world with the Leviathan. So sorry, Potato. Well, what to, were you going to yeah, say? It, it, no, no, no. Is it it the Arkborn are on are still on the Leviathan? No, 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 in the, in the menagerie, he says, um, I have Arkborn, I think he, he says something along the lines of the Arkborn are trapped on this ship still caught in the currents of the ship. The, the, because remember mistaken? the Arkborn, as far as quote unquote dying, basically just got outside of the suit and just went all over the place, exploded all over the place. The other thing is in the raid itself, we go into an area, the Arkborn area, Interesting. Which I would love to know. If yeah. That, yeah. And, and, and this also kind of raises the question, did the shadows exist before he was exiled? No. Or were the shadows a result of the exile? I think the shadows yes. The shadows were... Or after he had this encounter with the supposed... Yes. Dog. That's that's yeah. what I, I... I have kind of always felt that... Because if you follow the, the progress of events, right, regardless of the, the discrepancies that we have in the explanations of the details, the the the... the progression is the same he's exiled he's put on leviathan when he gets put on the leviathan he has no control of the leviathan it is it is out of his control it's not until it hits the malfunction that he gets control back from the leviathan well that's that's right when he sees the vision so then he has either the hallucination the vision whatever you want to refer to it but then we also know that in order to get the shadows, he shows up on the Leviathan. Like all the shadows when they come to him, like the different entries that we have of the shadows coming to him, they're all present on the Leviathan. So the okay. Leviathan yeah. is like a central point to the story of the shadows of Callus. And in order for that to happen, he has to have control of the Leviathan, which ergo would be after he goes through the malfunction. After he didn't, yeah. Which, if I read two paragraphs down, I would have seen my beloved shadows represent everything that was lost to me when the Red Legion took Torbethal. Oh yeah, that that too, that too. That's where I was going. Any, uh, little any, did you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally planned. 
totally planned. <laughs> totally answered my own question by reading two paragraphs down. <laughs> it's amazing. What, the, what does the lore say? That, that's how, yeah. So the next entry talks about his disposal of said shadows. He ruined the batch. He spoiled the whole batch. Oh, okay. So Dino, uh, Dino is giving. He Dino is our, our resident quote mm-hmm. collector. Uh, he says these are these are a couple of quotes from the menagerie. He says my counselors rested only a fraction of the Arkborn free of their world. Together, you and I could take them all. And then another one is ah, the Arkborn sentient energy crackling with potential, and the Fulminator was the brightest of them all. And then finally, there are captive Arkborn all around you. Bathe in them. Dab their pre- dab their essence behind your ears. That's, yeah, that's from the menagerie. That's that's, that's one of the events that's a from the menagerie. Interesting. Um, but what yeah. that also tells me is that he lied to the Fulminator. Then, well, I mean, he's not beyond lying. Well, I, 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 I realize this. That. I realize this. But it just is interesting <laughs> because, like, the deal that he made with the Fulminator was that he would leave her people alone inside alone. their conduits. Which I guess, if they're okay, maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking. Sorry, I just pulled a potato. Thank you. Uh huh. Anytime. All right. So, so anyways, green. After the fall of his shadows, the great Emperor Callus, master of the celebrations, patron of festivity, stood in the throne world, throne room of his great ship. The Golden King's shining modded, mottled Mottle. brow was furrowed with a... Molted. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> yep, deep melancholy, and the beauty of his face was marred by a frown. Dominus Gaul, the ghost primus, the usurper, lived... While the mightiest of his shadows, his chosen killers, his Xena's champions were dead. Anyway, so basically, Callus gets pretty upset because the foremost of his shadows die. And then he gets depressed and says he's ruined the whole batch and basically throws a temper tantrum. He kills them all. And he kills them all. He's got all their shadows. He just like, it's just, I don't. It's a toddler. Callus is a giant toddler in a diaper. Yeah, I mean, he's not. You're Golden not wrong. Diaper. Have you not seen? Did you not? Were you? Uh, were you following the Destiny artists when they did the parody of Callus mm-hmm. back back mm-hmm. when we first saw mm-hmm. him? And <laughs> I'm the baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the mama. Not the mama. Uh, the other thing too is that I also want to point out is that this is also where we start getting a little bit more concrete idea of where. In, in the time of, you know, the timeline that we have or that we do know about where within that we're starting to find this is occurring. Uh, be- the last yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we still, we're still that. not 100% sure exactly when the part- this particular assassination attempt was taken on Gaul. Um, but we do know that it, you know, we, we kind of have the idea that it was pretty close to about the time that he was coming to, to us and then the next and i think it's the next entry is when he comes out of his tantrum uh and that is 702 and all over the- yeah, yeah a little We're, bit shigak is really bad at like hole punching things i guess um, i don't know why i don't know i don't know why i had like this this random image of them being like i don't know how to work anyways um (laughs) (laughs) you took my purple stapler um (laughs) oh lord i'm gonna i'm gonna burn this to the ground (laughs) now we know why the leviathan got a tummy ache uh, and so 702 is where Callus learns of Gaul's death. 
And also he learns, uh, well, he doesn't learn necessarily, but he becomes more interested in the Guardian tribe. The hero. Yes. So, <laughs> Sorry, Dido, one... Dido. They don't know how to hole punch because they only know how to foist work on the underscribe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it's like being what is it called when you're there's a professor a student intern then, oh it's a, a student teacher yeah <laughs> gosh all the jokes all the it's jokes so accurate right, though. So it kind of is it kind of is uh so gall gall is upset in this a little bit still he's got his advisors around they're trying to figure out how to calm him down and then he is told about Gaul's death. Gaul has risen above his own past. That at least is admirable. Do you think, after all I've seen, I am heartbroken by such a tiny thing as failure? No, I am weary. <laughs> and he talks, he's, he continues, he's like, I have combed this whole universe for someone who truly merits a seat at my table. Just one creature who might partially comprehend the gravity of my mission one creature brave enough to test their might and their mind on me one creature worthy of sipping my on my perfect flesh (laughs) (laughs) i have not found them (laughs) (laughs) yeah right so the thing i love is the very next line is all of his advisors are cringing like really (laughs) what no, they're all Either, no, they're not they're, cringing. They're all throwing up. This is what they're doing. They heard they heard the what? supple perfect f- supping my perfect flesh and they all went Bleh, at the same time. What they're Maybe. cringing about. It's- I mean, either that uh, or they're jealous uh, or no. upset that they're not the ones that could be there. Oh my god. It's, it it is uh, the, you read it in such a perfect way though is that if we could drop your voice by like six octaves, we could we could just record that and have you be callous. <laughs> I would totally be callous. We can make callous female. It's fine. Gender bend them a bit. There you go. It is. It, I just. I just. I have. I have his voice in my head. That uh-huh. you know. I have combed this whole universe. You know. I have combed this. He has that such that deep bravado to right. imagine him. Imagine just sitting there going, "Sad, callous." That's all I hear in my head. Callous. Mm-hmm. But then he is told about the hero. The hero of Earth. And they set a course for the soul system. And yeah, he's excited. He wants to find us. He wants to interact with us because we basically did the one thing that his other shadows that he killed because he spoiled the batch could not do. (laughs) We're not going to talk about the really awkward ending of this entry. Yep, I'm passing over it. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. No, I made notes of this one when I read. No, no, we're not skipping over this. Hold on. I I wrote down a bunch of notes about this. It, in in very in very in very big letters in my notes, I went. Callus is. Fil- I went. I went. And when I originally started reading, I was like, okay, Callus is full of himself. And then I finished reading this card. I said, Callus is very full of himself. The robots were so he could watch himself. In many that is a in many problem. unique situations. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Gotta love me. The, the emperor sh- did not specify why the automaton should be re- be prepared. Ah. Uh, this is Jill dumping gasoline on a fire and throwing there, a match into the room. But there was it's, such joy in his voice. Yeah, they wanted to nope out of there. They wanted to nope out of there. Yeah, it's like the it's like the octopus. Just <laughs> nope, 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 nope. We're gone. We're done. It's just. Oh my gosh. 
the automatons, the robotic creations made in the likeness of the great emperor, were built so that his joyful majesty might be able to watch him. What's the what's it from Thor Ragnarok? The guy on the, uh, played by Jeff Goldblum. Oh, the uh, the collector. That guy. No, not the collector. He he's he's like the master of the planet or whatever. It oh, is. This the... is what I imagine is going it's on in that guy's birthday. head. Yeah, it's my birthday. Yeah, he's oh. <laughs> Grandmaster, that's right, that's right. The collector Thank you, was Thank you. Uh, collector was nowhere. Was the collector? Yeah, he was in nowhere. He had yeah. he had the duck. Howard the duck. All right. Oh my god. <laughs> Moving on from that. There is a serious. There is actually fire. a serious theory there, too. Is because um, we'll later hear that Callus is not has not been seen. And so there's a theory. Yes. There's a yep. theory. Yep. Isn't that in Confessions? Uh, yeah, I believe. I, I think it's mentioned book? in here as well. Uh, but it is mostly in Confessions because it's uh, Match is like the person that he, or the scion that he has really. It's kind of like one of his closest confidants. And so Match is like, I haven't seen him in a long time. And so then we start getting the idea that Callus might not. Um, be bound any longer to this physical realm in the way that most of us understand. And so the automatons could have been basically shells, shells for him to inhabit similar to what we see with him and uh, Benedict, how he kind of possesses Benedict to communicate with us during the quest. Um, so there, there is a, I mean, all, all joking aside for 30 seconds there, uh, there yeah. is a serious theory that would explain what's going on here but i also just can't help but giggle because yeah, it's, that's, just, it's just messed up mirrors mirrors well, mirrors it, on it, the it, ceiling it, do not mean a good thing let's just put it that way okay um <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> space rhino mirrors um no but it and it, it, it but it, it would kind of explain too you know where he collapsed during the raid the raid mechanic where he collapsed and you're transported to that like shadow realm the nightmare kind of realm looking thing, right yeah the nightmare realm where there's a giant visage of him and it's a giant head of him if he was out there you know communing with the darkness and talking with them and you know and the, the darkness is these pyramid ships or at least they're like a representation of the manifestation of the darkness or however you want to spin that um you know they actually they obviously have some sort of control similar to that of the light where they can jump between dimension there's like you know there's the the seams between reality are very thin as the dreaming city likes to say a lot mm-hmm. when you're in there and so yeah i mean it can very much see his ability to be like hey i'm just going to possess this robot for 5 minutes right. you know well and, and i mean that seems to I'm be in, that's how i'm interacting with you right cuz that's i mean that that is what he does with benedict right is like he mm-hmm. that's when you mm-hmm. see the eye, what is it the eye changes from red to purple and and Cal yeah. speaks through Benedict, and then it turns back, and like Benedict's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened. Help me. <laughs> I feel dirty. Uh, all right, so we all feel dirty we, right we, now. We're okay. all we're all very uncomfortable. Seven eighty nine is one of the one of the items that we actually mentioned. This is actually a letter that was dictated uh, by Callus, but was recorded by Ixult. Um which is actually another Roman practice. It's actually a lot of uh, ancient and medieval times uh, they would do this. The The individual who was actually, quote-unquote, writing the letter would speak, and the, they would have a scribe who would write it for them. So they could, they could dictate and basically do multitask. They could multitask while they're doing this. Uh, so this is another kind of callback to that, 
that tradition of history. Um, uh, the other thing is that it is called out that this is an unsent letter to the hero of the Guardian tribe. So he wrote it and uh, never sent it. It was also... I'm mm-hmm. oh, sorry. It is also another confirmation on time because this was following the initial raid because he calls out the fact that we abort- we boarded the Leviathan the first time and uh, shot the cup from his automaton's hand. I love that callback. I love that little callback. Oh yeah, and interestingly uh, enough, this this um, this letter happens very very much so after right. we get was, the invitation was, letter from the. I just pulled another potato. I was just about to say that. Yeah, if I had kept reading, that would have been. Yeah, that's after the Leviathan raid. After um, it's after everything with this very last raid that we right. got because we slay Galron. Yep, yep, yep. He's ensnared by us. Mm-hmm. That. He is creepy. I just he so the quote like the, the quote list. here he's like Valentine's like Day stalker creepy. Like, he needs to register. Oh, he's on. He Predator needs to list. register yeah. with the solar system so that we know that he is not allowed within 50, 50 light years of our planet of a planet. <laughs> yeah, of, of, not just Earth, any planet in the solar system. <laughs> Sorry, the end quote. You can come up to Nessus and since it's not technically a planetoid, you can stay there. But beyond that, you can get no closer. So he's and only when it comes into the solar system every every thousand years or so. The uh, he says that day you gallantly slew Gal- slew Galran, golden chalice in hand. That was the day I truly knew we were meant to be together. I am ensnared by you, Guardian. I wish to possess you as my own until the end of existence. I mean, he. I've is seen this Mr. movie, Mr. Pleasure Man. Oh, yeah. I think many of us have seen this movie. Um, it doesn't end well. No, it doesn't. I love Dino's quote from Hawthorne. <laughs> when guys like Callus hit on me, I show him the business end of my shotgun. But you do you, I guess. <laughs> so everything that we're getting past this in the entries are predictions? Yeah. Yeah. So everything. Yeah, this is when we go from actual happening to maybe kind of sort of will happen. Right. Them trying to f- predict the future. As far as like, yeah. As far as some of the prior entries, I don't. There have been some with cliff notes at the bottom, but not. Well, let me look at through this. I actually there are none with cliff notes at the bottom or footnotes. So this is the beginning of where we're going to get those. Yes. This is of, this please. is where the side conversations start happening. The scri- right, the cyber- scribe employed at this future date shall please provide additional details here as to the number of courses at the banquet and their contents. Delete this footnote upon the actualization of this history, which happens a few different times, by the way. Mm-hmm. This that little entry. It's, it's basically them kind of like waxing poetic about the things that they've been told by Callus are going to happen, and because there's that great revelation, right? It, it's the whole prophecies mm-hmm. of Callus, um, and you kind of get the idea that they're like, okay, well, we're going to write these, but then they kind of are like making little footnotes. They're literally making footnotes that are saying, hey, if I'm not here in the future, which given what we (laughs) just finished talking about the first three entries, it's entirely possible they're going to be cooked in a vat of gold or something. Um, Yeah, they're like, if we're not here, this this is where you need to make the edits. 
Was there chicken or was there crab? Yeah, that's <laughs> that is, yeah, that is like, actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the third course that was served while the Emperor's psionic dances, dancers performed a celebratory ribbon dance. Well, yeah, it's, it's, and you know, it's kind of like when you look through these next couple of entries, it's almost like they're trying to predict different, like, you know, what's going to happen. You know, this could be, there's like a bunch of different predictions of what could happen. But I see this more as like, they see this as this is what the timeline is. A. Right. Like, this is like, this is exactly what this timeline is going to say. Not like, oh, it could be this or it could be that or it could be this. You know, it's literally, this is the timeline of the future. This is exactly what will happen. And if it doesn't happen in an exact way, somebody makes some edits. Yeah, and I I just really appreciate that we have a uh, a master of rhyme who's who's <laughs> spitting spitting some sick beats in the honor of the shadow of shadows. Oh, oh this is another note I made. The <laughs> Leviathan has a performance. Hang on, no, no. The Leviathan has a performance troupe. Yeah. Hold on. That... <laughs> yeah. I, I had to back up on that one. I was like, wait, 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 wait. There's some poor centurion with some like giant winged armor. Like I, I just have this image of him like doing, you know, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of that very was it Roman? Yeah, the gladiatorial the plays yeah. and everything. Gladiatorial death camp. And the fact that at the end of the performance, the actual performer is killed. Well, they they would <laughs> they what they would do is they would perform uh, re reencounters of not just not just plays, but like a lot of the tragedies. Uh, but Battle they would the yeah. actors would be gladiators or slaves, and instead of pretending to die, they would actually kill each other on the on the stage yes. within the when it, within like the Coliseum and other gladiatorial arenas and it was as entertainment it was actually done uh usually over like the lunch hour because they would allow people allow the citizenry to kind of come in with their food and watch a show and get entertained and then be you know entertained with the with an actual death at the end just because they were they were being so nice to their citizens the creepiest part of this whole entry though is the fact that our guardian is enjoying it well according yeah to recording the, the prediction the predictions the pre- yeah the, yeah it's 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 callous saying well and it gets creepier. We, we have completely accepted the throes of his benevolent love and we are like we that. are supping upon his never mind anyways i hear i hear a potato in the background <laughs> I'm I'm gonna veto that right now. Just, just it's gonna be a I was no gonna for take me, a bite dog. of chocolate and I set it back down. That was <laughs> terrible. Well, I what is it? Yeah, you represent the dawning of a new era, the last era before the end. I will have you at my side as this petty, petty world, world meets, death. meets death. Yep. And I'm like, so he loves Earth, but at the same time, he's like, yeah, it's gonna burn, bro. Like, well, and that's kind of and we see that coming up, right? Too. And that's that's also the fundamental aspect of his philosophy, right? And you see that right above that is like he says, "We will remind all beings nothing else exists aside from this moment, and so no one must strive to live in a state of rapture, to minimize pain, to maximize delight, to let go of the ideologies that tie us down." Uh, it's it's very it's a very hedonistic philosophy, but in the light of what he believes to be happening, it actually kind of makes sense. He you know he's like no, right, right. you don't have a future. They're they're the future Might as well live. Yeah, the future is is yeah. set. You are going to die, and like and it's not like you're going to die a natural death. Like you're going to be killed very soon, and so you need to maximize cool. your delight now. Yeah, it's the live while you can mentality 
It's uh, it's very reminiscent of a Warhammer uh, reference here of the chaos god Slanesh, who's the god of pianistic things, like living for pleasure, like essentially strictly for pleasure, because doing so will bring you greater glory, and eventually you're gonna die anyway, so you want pleasure. And so there's, I kind of just drew, I, when I was reading that and listening to him talk about, you know, living in pleasure every day, you know, you know live now because death is coming. It just reminds the kind of the ties there with for, with the chaos gods and things like that. So, right. and the chaos gods in, in Warhammer are essentially death and evil and, well, not not necessarily evil, but they are the chaotic um, undersides of water, obvious forces of chaos. But it just yeah i just that is a little side note and i realize i remember i wrote down so sorry no 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 that's i mean that's and that's that's an accurate i think a a good way to explain it too um and we see that a little bit also within the next one right with what is it 11 1112 um Mm -hmm. this is where he he so he's already eradicated his old shadows and he has taken on the quote shadow of shadows or the shadow of earth which is our guardian. And it is here that he tells our guardian, the shadow of shadows to go forth and gather a new army of shadows. And kind of to what you were just saying, potato is he says, choose only the most beautiful, the most devoted, the most joyful, the most skilled. And so it's Slanesh and it's Slanesh in, in, in a, in a, in an image right there. It's for, time to recruit new troops and it's familiar faces. We start with Rax. <laughs> Dino's having a heart attack. Yeah, right yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a couple of, and that, and I mean that goes back to right your your guys's comment about our guardian is mysteriously kind of enjoying this. Uh, Dino had made that point earlier too. Is like we're a self insert. Uh, we are not ourselves. We are basically a way for Callus to tell his story. Like you know, that's that's mm-hmm. what we are. We're. A, I don't want to say a Mary Sue, but we're kind of like that, um, you know. And that's and that's kind of just that's what he's using our figure for. Uh, but yeah, and so we have at the latter part of this was uh, the Shadow of Earth set out on a quest of you know basically finding the the Army of Shadows, and we encounter. And this is where we have Mithrax, which you guys were just talking about. Um, who we promptly took on as a protege. Uh, and then with Mithrax, we eliminated the Elixni, who remained loyal. So Damo is completely not supporting this, I can tell you right now. <laughs> um, and then then Mithrax and the Shadow of Earth went to Marasov, who styled herself, what, ship, oh, Shipbreaker was the title she gave herself, and... Uh, as anticipated by both the Emperor and his shadow, Marosov rejected the author of peace, and so the shadow of Earth killed her on her throne, um, which then led to Petra joining the shadow of Earth and swearing fealty to Callus. Because, you know, that's totally going to happen. Let's just yeah. talk about that for two seconds. If you kill, After yeah, if Mara, you kill Mara on her throne... Petra is just totally just going to join you and swear fealty to the guy who told you to do that. I totally see that happening. Petra would tr- would jump off of an asteroid <laughs> at Leviathan with just her knife before doing that. And she would ding a, off the there's side There's a of lot of things away. that like, I could see like, Petra being able to stomach. This is not one of them at all. <laughs> like... The fire of a thousand suns would burn the Leviathan if Petra if they, the Petra would never ever do that. If she is as loyal as they come when it comes to 
being loyal to Mara. And just, you know, every time, every, I mean, every time you walk into her and talk to her in the Dreaming City, she's like, you know, the queen knows what she's doing. The queen knows what she's doing. We haven't seen the queen in weeks, but we know what the queen is doing. Right. She's. Oh, I mean, no, and, and that's sorry. the thing is that's why she's the Wrong. wrath, right? I mean, that's that's <laughs> right. the, that's the the aspect here. And again, we, we kind of see these these forthcoming is what they call them is, you know, this one, this next one mm-hmm. is I think it's uh, 11, 17 uh, forthcoming. And and this is this is the entry where so we've we've recruited Mithrax and destroyed the Elixni. We've recruited Petra and you know eradicated the false Awoken who are no longer lo- you know whatever. And now we we have a formidable team of allies in the shadows. You know so multiple multiple Elixni and Awoken have actually also come into this this mysterious shadow army. And they basically are led to reclaim one of the uh, Athenaeum worlds, uh, which we had talked. We actually, yeah, we had talked about what an Athenaeum was way, way back when we first talked about Callus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's basically the various center or various points of interest and locus of uh, knowledge and power within an empire. And so this is World World X or World Ten. Um, which is interesting. I have a weird spin foil about that particular naming convention, <clears throat> but uh, that I'll get to in just a second. But uh, this particular planet was a repository for what's referred to as precious ancient knowledge collected by the emperor. It was chosen for its hostile environment, which served as a built-in defense system from intruders and thieves. I believe this is also the one that Exult gets called out on. Yeah, later down. Um, because basically, so he goes on to, Ixult goes on to, he's explaining all the all the cool gadgets they get and, you know, all this stuff. Um, uh, and this is where also supposedly Mithrax is going to fall. And, and then the shadows of Earth and the Awoken were able to access the Inner Sanctum, revealing hundreds of years of knowledge, or hundreds of years of lost knowledge, which was reclaimed for the great Emperor Callus and his loyalists. <laughs> this is where you get the footnote. The scribe employed at this future date shall include additional details here when the lost secrets of this and other Athenaeum worlds are recovered. Delete this footnote upon the actualization of this history. Um, but really quick, the connection that I, I find myself keep coming back to World X is the initial name for the Traveler was Moon X. Mm-hmm. So there's like, I'm, I don't know... Um, if that, I find it hard to say things aren't intentional with Bungie at times, and so like, you know, there's the thing, but then there's also the thing of like, if this is total just bunk, you know, okay, you know, what what's the validity there other than he could be assimilating that information in? Um, but I did, I did find that particularly kind of an interesting little side note for this one. In this card, too, it says the shadows were stalked by undocumented life, yeah. wildlife whose uh, natural capabilities as a predator provide, uh, proved unexpectedly debilitating to the companion soul of the shadow of Earth. And I and I, this is just, you know, obviously Spinfoil kind of headcanon. It almost kind of reminds me of the creatures that Drifter ran into. Yeah, that's Dino. It's Dino it, saying that right now. Is the cold Is that what he's saying? Sorry, planet. I, I had the chat. No, you're fine. You're, he says a cold yeah. planet with a local fauna messed with ghosts. And, you know, the description was very similar. Like you have oh, like yeah, yeah, the right built in defense system and, and mm-hmm. for intruders and thieves who hmm, who would we know that fits that bill? Um, and, and the drifter knows about Athenaeum worlds. 
That's true. So, it, and because he says it at the beginning of the Gambit matches, you know, oh, the Cabal, they have these great things of knowledge on the Anthony, Athenaeum world. He might have been on one and not even realized it. Right. And so that, that, that's just kind of that. I was sitting there kind of thinking about that. They were. In a, I love that there's a, they they executed a stealth attack. Thus, they began a bloody battle where the three shadows fought back half a dozen creatures with modest success. <laughs> I just like the way that's written with modest. Yeah, they did all right. <laughs> they didn't do great. They did all right. Yeah, that just that kind of caught my eye. Um, let's see. And then we have what is it next? Is eleven twenty is the next forthcoming one? Um, Rasputin and Vanguard. This one's interesting. Oh yeah, that's right. This is the the Rasputin and Vanguard one. So, following the Athenaeum world, Green, do you want to? So the there's a whole essentially argument that the Vanguard come out and they're mad about the whole thing. Uh, essentially hold court in some respects with Kalos and the Shadow of Earth, and our Shadow of Earth gets really mad at them. The basically throws down the gauntlet who do you think i am without me you have only a dwindling army of ambivalent soldiers i am the young wolf by the way side note is that the first mention of <laughs> young wolf in d2 yeah because uh, salad sure as hell forgot no it's not it feels it, like it, it. might it feels be like salad it, it, forgot it it, it, feels it might like be it. but i'm pretty sure it's not i think there's I, i'll have to I'd, I'd have to look longer than i have to find cade, it cade calls us cade i was like cade mentions it and i think Still that calls you wolfie or something like that i think Shax mentioned it as well like in the very opening does he yeah yeah black Shax flag black flag yeah that's what I, that's what i think because when he's when he's pulling the door open and he's he's stolen your sword back like i love that that little thaw oh, there yeah, yeah, he yeah, says yeah, it yeah. at the very beginning of the the cutscene when he lets you go through yeah because that's when yeah. he gives you the armory right yeah dino and black flag are talking yep. about okay and, and this is this is where I start because we're gonna see later on. There's gonna be a car that I just noped out on, and I was like, "I'm this is this is getting this is starting getting sneaky." Is I broke the curse? Mm-hmm. And I broke the houses. I killed the queen. Yeah, it was that I broke the curse thing, which I know this is supposed to be like you know a a, predictive. You know, a predictive future, but I broke the curse is way too much of a freak. Is way too much of a. It's it's too small. They, you think that breaking the curse would have been something they talked about. You know, oh, I killed the Taken King. I defeated Gaul. I roused the Traveler. I silenced the moon. I stopped the invasion. First of all, are they talking about the invasion of Crota coming from the moon? Or they, what inv- what invasion? And then I broke the curse. Maybe the curse is tied to Mars. And see, and see how, yeah, because I stopped the invasion pr- is before I broke the curse. And that to me is sitting there going, this this seems way too that that's way too important to just be a footnote of our guardian getting pissed off at the vanguard. And again, it's predictive propaganda at right. this point. We don't know if this is any sort of has any sort of accuracy built into it whatsoever. Yeah, and it's just that that to me right there goes like I was like, who like you stopped an invasion? What invasion? You broke what curse? what curse but how did you break the curse because what's coming up in the next few cards makes it even more suspicious again that's just my head cannon mm-hmm. uh note about this card the vanguard are allowed to leave they're not killed which is kind of a uh departure from the normal things in these cards like normally if anybody stands in his way he just gets rid of them but the vanguard are allowed to leave and then we find out later that rasputin was destroyed essentially uh, and that happens the 
With the renewed ships of the Loyalist fleet, the Shadow of Earth led an attack on the War Machine's seat of power, War Machine being Rasputin, the region of Hellas Basin on the planet Mars. The battle was much less a war than a single unmatched attack that left the War Machine, Rasputin, in cinders. It was at this time that the Vanguard of Earth surrendered and begged for mercy, a request which was denied by the Shadow of Earth. So, um, no exact, I mean, they got to lead the Leviathan, but no reprieve exactly for them. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> we also, we also get mention of the, uh, Aphelion. Oh, yeah. That's true. Which had the power to devastate whole worlds in the blink of an eye. Aphelion? Or, yeah, Aphelion. Yeah. yeah, which is the name of that lost sector in week two on... Correct. Aphelion's Rest, week two of the curse. All right. It's also so the, the uh, next predator that was hunting awoken. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. So, but yes. So uh, next we have what's up next. Uh, let's see here. This is one thousand one hundred and twenty-five, and oh, this one yeah, is this the. One. And this is where I no Inc. doubt. Yeah. Savathun. Yep. There's a lot of theories because on this. Because why... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's... I'm going to let you two take this one because this one makes yeah. my head hurt because anything Zabathun related Dino. just gives me a headache the, at this point. The other fun part about this one is that Dino's calling this... <laughs> Ixult calls out Shagak. Being basically like, you can't just make stuff up! <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, the note at the bottom... <laughs> This is where they start like bickering at each other, and it's the best thing ever. Like I, I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. Um, yeah. So like the the problem here is like so <clears throat> they had nearly conquered the system, and basically the Leviathan does the same thing that he kind of did with Argus, and um, well, it was just Argus. Uh, he kind of like the Leviathan, like rock, like it's like rocked by a great disturbance. They don't know what's going on. Royal mechanics reported that in the inner rooms of the ship, a strange rift had opened and from it came the acrid stench of hive ritual pyres. And here you are introduced to this, this voice that says, I am Savathun and I am death. Uh, and so basically Savathun splits something open and does not a direct assault, which is very interesting because that's the last thing that she would normally do. Um, now this is where it gets really interesting because the voice that is identified as Savathun then goes on to say, while this coward invents his histories and futures, I wait, these messages are my gift to you. So that's, that to me is Savathun breaking the four, I'm going to say the fourth wall, but the fourth wall of the 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 the, 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 the story Chronicon. that yeah. is trying to spin. He's, yeah, and she's going. I'm still here. I'm coming for you. I am not. I am this. This is me. I am doing this. So, yeah, Dino. Dino beat me to it. She graffitied the Chronicon now as well. So she's graffitied <laughs> all the books that we have so just far. As she did in the Book of Sorrow. Yeah. <laughs> She's just, she's well, like, it, I'm it, 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 just gonna note this right here. This book is full of lies. Um, and the fact, and the fact that she says, "I am death." What does Callus says he's ran into? He ran into death. Right. That's true. He you did know, run into death. You know. And so, th- is this Sabathun, Is this him running into the darkness, or was this him running into Sabathun back when he ran into whatever that is that met the, met the Leviathan? Go to, go to he, the he talk to Sabathun. Go to the next and line. Sabathun goes, "I got you." But the great emperor had seen death at the edge of the universe and was not afraid for this, which her spawn were not death. But that see, that's what he but she's the master of Right. She's shapeshifter. And yeah. She's the master of manipulation. And she did say, you know, when she left Oryx and she you know, in the Book of Sorrow, where they went off and did their own thing, 
you know, we don't know where she went. You know, she event, she she ended up in a black hole at some point, and but that didn't work. And but where did she go after that? Right. And what has she been doing? And then I know I'm throwing no, yeah. Well, and that's and that's the thing with with as soon as you introduce Savathun, that's where it kind of gets dicey because the other thing is is I'm trying to also stay you know trying trying to stay in character as far as like examining what's being said here because if this is a if this is a history that's controlled by Callus, you know, Mm -hmm. there's there's machinations that can be being made here that it's just. There's a lot that can be going on, and until we get a little bit more concrete primary sources, it's kind of hard to say what what exactly right. is, you know, a fever dream and what's not. I guess would be the best way mm-hmm. to do. Um, do you, uh, the ending, just the whole the ending of this card. Oh, the the, the footnote, footnote. Yeah, the, the, foot, the, the footnote card. is like the best part of this and the next card. Like <laughs> it's just so it's mm-hmm. so great. So yeah, so basically the ending of twenty five is Ixult calling out Shagak for basically being too imaginative and he's like and well and remember Shagak is the primary Ixult is the secondary so Ixult is calling out Shagak probably in a similar fashion to Shagak calling out Tazalt and there's Mm -hmm. there's a competition going on there so also remember that too and you see that he calls Shagak out because he's he says refrain from making such sweeping grandiose assumptions about unknowable technologies like those of the Anithium worlds. It will save us a great deal of rewriting later. Delete this footnote upon the actualization of this history and appropriate and appropriate corrections made to scribe Shagak's record. So I mean he's he's basically calling him out for incorrect information. And <laughs> Shagak fires back on the next one. To my dearest scribe, Isolde, this is like reading. A lack of imagination is a crime far worse than any small exaggeration meant to uphold and approach the glory of a beloved emperor. History is made as much in the writing as it is in the living. This is like reading Rahul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever his and eyes. Like, it's eyes. just like, it's like, rah, 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 rah. And I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> They had mm-hmm. to replace Ive somehow, and this is how they did it. Oh, my God. Yeah. So uh, this one is, I think this is, what, 35, 1135? Uh, basically, this is where we destroy everything and recreate the system. Um, he finishes eating Nessus, uh, which is then trans- transferred into royal wine, Um Nessus and the planetoid of Nessus has its eternal home at the emperor's table forever immortalized as a symbol of celebration. Uh, he recre- uh, following the destruction of the war machine Rasputin, the shadow of earth recreated the region of Hellas basin into a monument of the might and beauty of the great emperor Callus. The unsightly Braytech futurescape was demolished and remade into the temple of revelry. where all in the system came to celebrate the accomplishments and the blemished red sands of Mars were reformed into a vast sulfurous mudflat, suitable for wallowing at leisure, because there's nothing more relaxing than laying in some mud with a lot of sulfur. I, Space. Rhinos. Well, okay. Uh, no. Okay. okay. <laughs> I I can I can argue this. Mud baths are actually really relaxing. They're really weirdly and oddly gross at the same time, but they are relaxing if you can get past that point. I, I I'm way too Just I'm saying. way too like tactile. Like the no. <laughs> no. It's just It's the bathers all over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. 
Um, yeah. Uh, on Earth, humanity celebrates the Feast of Emperor Callus, a day of jubilation and thanksgiving. Ch- oh, God, my brain is... Anyway, children wear golden masks mm-hmm. of the uh, just uh, Thanksgiving and then the feasting on supple flesh. It's just, no. Uh, children wear golden masks of the Emperor's fine visage and reenact the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, that's where my brain went. Reenact the story of how he remade the system in the shadow of the end of the world. So, like, basically, it's it's... He's he's bringing joy and freedom, blah blah blah. In the final days. In the final days, because nothing matters anymore. Um, and then what is just that? Reading the footnotes. Oh yeah, the foot the God, footnotes are just the footnote makes the card. Gr- it's it's just, I really honestly some of them I just am like just read the footnotes. Uh, twelve twelve forty two is oh this is the one where he shares the great revelation. Um, sorry, chat. Uh, the great revelation which Emperor Callus received at the end of the universe, so way back when he had his hallucination, his fever dream, uh, is described by the Emperor to his royal scribes here. He does, his description is indeed what came to pass and is happening now 118 years after the Emperor brought liberty to the soul system. Okay, so, you know, I guess that's some time. Um, first, the veil of darkness descended on the whole worlds, blah, blah, blah. Many deaths occurred. Uh, yeah. The Great War broke out across the variety right, of civilization, because, be they naturally war-minded or peaceful. Right, because the basically the changing environment was such that they all panicked, um, and yeah. so they just basically. I mean, it's it's riots is really what's going on. The collapse. It's part two. yeah. It's the second collapse. Yeah, that's. Uh, let's see here. As far as the footnote, there's. It's not very funny about the footnote. No, this one. This one's just basically again. Um, same, same thing. thing. Uh, I'm trying to remember the. Oh no no no! Right, sorry. Hang on. To to clarify real quick, uh, a great war broke out across all varieties of civilization. This warring, which goes on even now, is due to a futile desire to postpone the end of things when no such deferment can possibly occur. As such, the civilizations of the soul system do not partake, for they accept the coming end as mm-hmm. shown to them by their beloved emperor. Even so, these good creatures are not exempt from the miserable clawing of others who thrash blindly against the inevitable end. So basically, the soul system doesn't fall on itself, but is rather felled on by other systems, is kind of what I took from that. Um, And then, I mean, basically, it's... I, I don't really have anything to say about the next paragraph, but it's basically like death will soon arrive to the uni- to the universe and claim all of it for itself. This will be the end of everything, all living things and non-living things, all that is real or theoretical, the nine, basically. Um, yeah, and then the last to see it, to see death as it consumes everything in this world, will be the great emperor himself, i.e. he is the final shape. I wonder if he got his knowledge of the hive. I know they were studying Callus privy to this Gaul. Was, he probably well, had access. Gaul being in power doesn't necessarily blind the Emperor to everything. True, yeah. Necessarily. Because he has a pretty good understanding of sword lot. Right. Well, yeah. And, and yeah. Um, this last one is, I believe this is, what, 1243? Uh, this is actually an entry that is written by Callus himself. Uh, understandably, because he's supposed to be the only one left. However, it's already written, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, And it's basically this giant monologue speech that he's giving to the the Guardian, our Guardian, or in remembrance to the Guardian, and to thank the Guardian for all that it was done, that was always done in his name. 
So his checklist is complete, and he checks off the last thing, and then supposedly this would be where the end occurs. Darkness eats yep. everything. But it doesn't just eat just our system. Mm-hmm. I mean, our ghost did get injured in one of the earlier cards. Uh, yeah, he. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember if it's in this one. It's pretty early. Was it in the Chronicon? Pretty sure it's in the Chronicon. Uh, I, you guys talk about something. I will keep trying. Because I'm trying to remember. Because there's also sure. there's there's scenes um, of us in like the Drifter it, when we feed our go- feed the we feed a guardian his own ghost. I think it's the Drifter. Ah, that's right. Okay, Dino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's the opulent armor. <clears throat> is when he killed. Oh, okay. Yeah, I need. I haven't read the op, the opulent armor. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I man, um, this one messes with your head for sure. Just this whole book. Well, and the the challenge, right, is that it's like it's, it's ha- it does talk about it here. Found it. Okay, it's MCX. So it's uh, what would that be? Seventeen, one thousand seventeen, one thousand one hundred seventeen. Okay. It says on route to the planet's inner sanctum where Anathiam's world knowledge was kept, the shadows were stalked and undocumented species of indigenous wildlife whose natural capabilities as a predator prove unexpectedly debilitating to the companion soul of the shadow of Earth. The shadow being symbio- symbiotically reliant on its companion soul was thus weakened and the trio was forced to biovac in place beneath a great monolith as a storm fell upon them. So this is happening on that world X. Right, okay. So it does happen there. But does the ghost die there? No, it doesn't say it dies. It's, I said it got hurt. It got injured. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I got you. I got you. Because I think in... In one of the other ones, it does say the ghost is killed. I think that's the opulent grieves. Drifters. Yeah. Drifter has his own ghost fed to him in pieces. Yeah, opulent grieves is what Dinah was saying here, uh, which is where oh. the shadow of Earth slays their soul, companion soul. Yeah. Which is like a painful one to read, um, because they basically you basically are being like it's you or the guardian, Callus, and then the ghost and ghost, and then ghost the guardian kills the ghost, and then the guardian dies, and then Callus is left by himself. Yeah, I'm reading the companion because that is. Oh yeah, there's a lot of messed up. Oh yeah, stuff the, the, the opulent, the opulent armor. The armor is way, oh, God, way worse than this so whole book. Is. This this book is like a a freaky um, trip through drugs. Don't do drugs, kids. This is that's what this is. The opulent the, is just disturbing. The opulent armor is basically the details of our guardian slaying all the various characters. That's the Petra, Petra Osiris, Failsafe, Drifter, Osiris, Varix, Failsafe, all yeah. of them. Our ghost. Failsafe's is sad. Yeah, well, I mean, our ghost is sad. The last words of the ghost. Yeah. Um, I love you. I love you. I'm like, nope, nope. I'm going to stop reading now. Um, A whole bunch of nope. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's the opulent. Opulent armor is uh, very interesting. Yeah, Dino. Opulent armor is the murder fest. Mm. It in it, it, it kind of goes into the into, entire overarching. Uh, what's the word? I'm trying to think of the right word. The mirage that Callus is not the mirage, like the 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 show that Callus is trying to put on to lure us into you know becoming his shadow. That's like that's his ultimate plan. Is he wants us to? This is what he wants. He wants us to usher in the end of the or help him usher in the end of the. 
I would say that a majority of the the population of the Guardians and things like that they're they're falling. I don't want to say they're falling for it, but they're they're rushing in there to go get the loot, and like they, they you know they don't realize like kind of like consequences of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, it's and, it's bread and circuses. You know, I mean, right? Yeah, that's that's a good way. Of, it's you know this is yeah you know, yeah everything that Callus puts for the later half of this entire book is you know prophesized. It's not going to happen. You could, there's that one degree of truth where you know. If our guardian wanted to, if this is the way they went down, if you know they don't walk that path, it very easily could be the end of the end of everything. The th- the thing that bugs me about this book, I understand the first half of it as far as like the 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 actual Chronicon aspect of it, mm. but the later half of this book, what is the purpose? Is it literally just to make Cal- like make Callus happy? Is it a is it a practice in boredom between these two scribes? I, well, Dino's right. Wh- yeah, Dino's right too. Point? It's two point six two percent. Right. It's know. a very small aspect of the full Chronicon. But what is the point? What is the point of this book? That is something that has bugged me since this book got released. Do you want? Are you are you asking what our thoughts are on that one? <clears throat> yes, I am asking for open opinions and spin foil th- upon this. I think as a way you're you're correct on out. that because here's the thing. Remember when this book was started? Um, it was meant to be kind of that that chronicle of their exile, right? It's the the uh, uh, Robin Crusoe esque, you know, uh, story of Callus, and then the the main scribe kind of called out, uh, "You're having a fever dream. You're you're lost. You lost. You know, it's not oxygen, but basically you you, you couldn't breathe, and you're you're hallucinating." And Callus had him boiled, and you know, removed him. So the replacement, it, it's, it's, that, it's that moment where you, you replace someone that you kill because they weren't a yes man or yes person, and the person that you replace them with is mysteriously going to do whatever you tell them to do. It's, it's not unheard of, and it's not uncommon for that to happen. And then it's just basically, then it starts becoming an echo chamber, because then there's no one who's going to argue with Callus because Callus will just have him killed until the only people who are left are either the people who know how to shut up and say, sure, that sounds like a great idea because, and, and because at the other, the other, the other side of the fact is the fact that they're all stuck on the Leviathan with him. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no, there's no like, Oh, Hey, we're going to go get supplies and never come like, never come back. You know, it's, it's, you're stuck there and you're, you're on a prison ship and it kind of gets the idea that like there's probably not a lot of hesitation to throw you into the prison aspect of the ship. He he has an <clears throat> excuse me, he has enough loyalists that are loyal to him blindly that yeah, Dino is saying that right now. Then then they become they need, they need to be educated and enlightened. You know, it it's the whole it's the whole psychological experiment of you know it's it's not really Zim, uh, Zimbardo's experiment but it's pretty close to it um, which is the prison uh, experiment where you lock people into a room and you convince you you basically are your your one half this half is guards this half is prisoners and you just you basically watch the degradation of everything because they because if you if you put people in a vacuum it's Lord of Flies like you know that's that's it's a natural thing for human beings to group into separate groups 
And once that starts occurring, it's very difficult for those groups to naturally eat. There is an eventual conflict that is going to happen. Now, how those groups, how those groups resolve conflict, um, that's not, that's not necessarily always predetermined. There's always going to be, you know, an openness to different, different resolutions. But Callus has demonstrated that his resolution to conflict is to eradicate. So, if you don't have a, if you're if you're part of a minority group such as the Scions who are scribes, I mean, you, the Scions are already second class citizens in the Cabal Empire. Now, granted, Callus views them as equals to a degree, but he also ob- has no obvious problem just outright killing people who disagree with him or who question him. Even it's it's yeah yeah Dino Dino saying this, that too. It's this, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, yeah. No, you're, yeah, I'm reading. I'm just kind of I was catching up with what Dino was saying. Shoot, yeah, he's, he's 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 very on the money. He's, with he it. speaks quietly, and he has a ship that eats your planet. Like, I mean, uh, sorry. So for for the podcast, uh, Dino is saying Callus has Callus says that the Cabal fleet that I remember shocked with its allure and refinement. They would never threaten. Our power was such that our threats were unspoken and always present. And Dino makes the point, you know, I don't think that's limited to the military. I mean, you see that within the political thing with the whole Colosseum, right? With Gaul. Callus would force his political opponents to bet against Gaul. And everyone knew Gaul would win. But they were forced to bet against Gaul so that then they would lose everything. And it was a, it was a point of, of um, like, narcissistic pride of his to set them up for failure, but it was the game was rigged from the start, right? And I think that's yeah. Where, Black Flag said very mob boss. Right, yeah, it, it's very yeah. like. And I, I Dino makes the point that that's probably why the Talazat stuff was left in, and so basically you you see what happens if you step out of you you toe the line. You well, you're no longer gonna be you get made into yeah. a gold shiny statue. Yeah, you toe the line, you get you get new boots made out of gold bricks and thrown into the. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that make does that answer or make sense, Green? Because mm-hmm. I mean, that's what like when I read this, that's that's really all I pick up on is that these writers. It, this isn't. This isn't what they think. Um, this is them. Oh, this I, is them trying to survive. It's, yeah, I. I would. It's the. It paints the warnings in a whole different light than the warnings between each each of them. The, one of them is pushing too far into the realm of impossibility and the other one gets worried about it kind of thing. I it, I don't think that's necessarily the case between Shagak and Isolt, but it kind of, if that is the case, if this is them purely trying to survive and out of like fear, which I don't think is necessarily the case, those that would make those footnotes very different. Well, I I would disagree to a point because that's assuming that both of them feel the same. You can, I mean, this is, so this is like entering into like Machiavellian political theory and stuff like that too. Um, You can have one, and also it also depends, it also, hang on, let me start that sentence over. It also assumes that both of those scribes are reacting to fear, if that is the fear, the same way people who are mm-hmm. threatened by uh like life and death situations they have very different reactions like f- everyone has a different flight or flight uh 
level uh, that will trigger each each one, right? That everyone has a different, uh, basically, trigger point there. And so one mm-hmm. trigger point could be lower, thus creating this, like, frantic, uh, over-imaginative, trying to, you know, sweet talk and blah, 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 you know, doing what he's told and or they're told and, you know, doing it over the overly over to the top. And the other one might be, you know, okay, well, no, hang on. It's like, you know, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. We need to play this smarter. We don't want to overdo it because then you get in trouble, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's kind of where I saw that con- that kind of snipping back and forth. It could be. It could be. It just doesn't. It seems like it would be written in a slightly different way, personally. But that would that may be just my oh no. And I mean, I think right. And I and again, kind of the Machiavellian. You know, that's like the Machiavellian. Like better to be feared than loved if you cannot be both. Well one person's fear what would cause fear in one person might not cause fear in another that might cause respect so you then you also have that dichotomy going on as well right you could have the the imagine the imaginative one could be a, a zealot you know he's a zealot of calluses he's a hundred percent in on this this grand you know doomsday blah 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 he's a he's a what are they the the disaster guys the um Oh, do no, not do no, no, no. The uh, survivalists, the the the. Oh, the the preppers. Yes, yes, the yeah. preppers. He's like you know, he's like I got, mm-hmm. I got my underground bunker. It's got gallons of water. Like I mean, like he's got the whole thing. He's got the seeds. He's mm-hmm. got the he's got the seeds in the place that just flooded mm-hmm. because all the ice melted, and he's got his water. I mean, like he's done. The other guy is like, I don't believe any of this nonsense, but I also understand that guy just got dumped in a bot of vat of gold of like molten <laughs> gold. So I'm going to say we believe this and, you know, but and so there's also like there, there's a lot of different ways that you can play those two because there are two separate ones. And, you know, that's just kind of the way I kind of take it is like they're kind of like they also have the like very very stereotypical um i don't want to call him it's not like a stereotypical archivist but it's a stereotypical like researcher uh mm-hmm. it's it's not arrogance it's it's uh and it's not like it's not the negative sense of ego but it's it's that ego of like i know what we're doing and you are doing it wrong and it's and it they have it's the it's the interpretation of how history should be stated, right? And it's and you see it's that it's the class project, right? It's yeah, the, it's the this is this is the class. This is the group project, and they happen to find the two people who actually wanted to work on it. You know, normally it's one person who's doing the group project, <laughs> and everyone else is just lazing around. No, this group has two people who want to do the project, and it's just it. I don't know. I I enjoyed it because I was like, you know, this actually kind of gives a a peek underneath the hood of what is basically just false information and it's blatantly false information and you can kind of see the Mm -hmm. scribes are kind of being snippy about how they're gilding this particular you know hot air balloon basically so that it doesn't you know doesn't blow up in their face is kind of how i see it do you think there's rumors on the leviathan about callus's robotic form Totally different subject. Just... I think there are because within confession, even Match has doubts. Questions. Like, yeah, even Match, like near the end of confessions, Match makes a number of like kind of, I can't remember if he actually comes out and asks, but like he, he I know he makes comments about 
he hasn't seen Callus and all this. He hasn't seen the real Callus, because which makes me think that he's talking to an, an automaton. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting book in terms of even if it is, you know, it's a it's a book full of lies, and that apparently Savathun has you know she's in between the lines again, as she mentions in uh, Truth to Power. Um, it it's is as false as the information is that Lou was talking about. It really indicates, and I know this is not going to be some big, oh my god moment, it's we're moving towards something or something, and even the false information is picking up on that you know, there's something coming, it's maybe maybe it's really close, maybe it's really far away, but it's coming, and it's only a matter of time until it's on, on top of us, and it's it's kind of like, the, it's kind of like that under, under, that undertone that I get from the entire, uh, I get from, because yeah, he's right. It's like, there's a lot of bias and made up history here and you can't tell what's true and what's fake, but ultimately something big is coming and Callus either thinks he sees it or he knows what it is, or he, you know, he has this grand, you know, this grand image of him being the hero at the end of the world. You know, something's coming, whether it's the darkness or it's Savathun or it's the Vex or it's something, how close or how far away still have to be determined. Green, you have any other question thoughts? The headache of it. Um, <laughs> Anything involving Callus Savathun? No, just Savathun is an instant no. headache. Well, Savathun's an instant headache. The Chronicon is kind of a headache just because of the absurdity of it. And I think I'm trying to remember my exact thoughts at the extra lore panel. My thoughts on the Chronicon were kind of given at that panel. So if you have not watched that, that is available to watch. Um, Blue probably has the link available. Yeah, it's on um, the Lore Network. Probably also yeah. has the clip of the lore breaking when said, let's not save Cade. Fun to watch the chat oh, lose their mind on that That one. was, yeah, that was the, uh, <laughs> the actual lore panel, the after lore panel. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry, the, sorry. When we were doing the sit down with Bife, Beard, Mylan, um, Purple, Baxter, all of them, the Chronicon got brought up at least in part. And I... I my thoughts are just it is not my favorite book, but I think its importance is yet to be determined. I think there are things that may come later that bring light to the importance of it, but it is not. It is okay to also have a book that is not groundbreaking, like the Marasena or the Books of Sorrow. Uh-huh. So much of what we have <clears throat> lately has been really integral to the fabric of the whole world, and maybe having a book that is not super, super integrated into everything going on isn't a bad thing. And if this is, maybe we'll find out later. Right. And I think that's the other thing too, is like, you know, with a lot of the parallels that we see with this book to the books of sorrow, right? I think it's also important Mm -hmm. to realize or to remember that the cabal have never been a, you could never, you never would have described the cabal as a religious species, not like the hive. And so when you see these weird, like, attempts at assimilation of different aspects of what would be basically various theologies, you know, you have the Awoken theology of the Marasena, the Hive theology of the Books of Sorrow. And I I use the word theology very loosely there. But when you see that type of belief structure and then you see the Cabal with the Chronicon and Callus trying to, in a way, recreate that, it also is kind of, I think it's kind of an interesting twist on what the Cabal have always been presented as because in our experience of the cabal they've always been very pragmatic and and in the moment right but we've also only experienced the military arm of the cabal callus represents something 
something more but also less than the military like he he's a politician within that and so there's a there's mm-hmm. the the sense of loyalty that a theology can give the impression of is desired by most politicians they they want that that loy that blind loyalty i mean you hear that throughout this entire book and so I also would say, you know, think of it as an attempt of callous to, you know, do yet another round of, quote, air quote, educate his followers and his loyalists to make sure that they are truly loyal. You know, he's kind of presenting himself as the the deity of the of the cabal, which is a new concept, possibly to the cabal. They don't really they don't really seem to have deities in the sense that. The hive do, you know, like the hive have the siblings and then the worm gods. They they have an actual name, worm gods. They they re- they refer to them as deities. Um, the Woken don't have deities, but they they ascribe to the view of Mara as their queen. Like all the reefborn Awoken are reefborn, or they are there because they chose to stay because of Mara. As opposed to the Earthborn. Yeah. And, you know, and then the Guardians have the Traveler. You know, there's all the speed and the Vex have, you know, the, the Vex have a weird hierarchical um, loyalty imbued in their mind structures. And that loyalty is always questioned. The, the Fallen have their houses and the Great Machine. You know, like there's there's a sense in theology in everything except for the Cabal. And so I also would say that you could see this as being kind of maybe a possible attempt from Callus to bring that concept into their culture as well. Yeah, I never, I, I, yeah, that's, yeah, I'm sitting here thinking about that now. I'm like, whoa. Well, and I, I think the mm-hmm. reason why I, yeah, I didn't even, the reason yeah. why I keep, that keeps kind of bouncing around in the back of my head is because, again, there is a lot of parallels to the various mythologies, if, if you allow me to call them that. Um, the histories, histologies of the different species. We see a lot of those parallels, as we've talked about, in this book. And so, you know, again, Cabal, Roman, what are the Romans known for? Assimilation. Assimilating. And if they see something that works, they're going to take it. That's what Rome does. They were very good at it. I mean, they were very good at it. And... You know, Callus, I mean, for whatever reason, he could see the Books of Sorrow as being something that, you know, the Hive are the hive are dead set to sword logic. You, you can't, I mean, you can say a lot of things about the Hive, but that's one thing that I think everyone would probably agree pretty much on. Um, you know. He says, uh, Callus says that in the Menagerie. Yeah, he, I mean, like, they're, they're, the they're, 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 they're fixated on it. Uh, the Awoken, same. You know, you have, like, our conversation about Petra. She's loyal to death and beyond. Tamara and most of the Awoken who are in the reef are gonna probably fall in that camp as well. Uh, Guardians to Traveler or Humanity, you know, whichever whichever one, the last city basically. They 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 have individual differences on why they ally themselves to that, but ultimately it all flows up to either the Traveler, or Humanity, or the concept of of both, you know, whatever the light. Um, and so each of those things, and then you know the Elixni are bound to their houses, and now they're kind of they're kind of in this weird transitory phase where we don't really know what they're doing. But, but when Callus would see them, they were bound to the great machine. And then the houses, the houses were very feudal in nature and all that. And that's just, that's never really been something that the cabal have shown. And that's why I'm like, I keep seeing these parallels. And then I'm like, there's a gap there. 
So it, to me, it kind of makes sense that that might be a puzzle piece that Callus is trying to squeeze in somehow. It's a lot to think about. So, so I'm sitting here going, uh. <laughs> Yeah, lots of questions. Not a lot of direct answers. Mm-hmm. I think we'll just have to... Welcome, welcome, to, welcome to a bungee cheesy. game. Yeah. Welcome to a bungee game, and we'll just have to wait and see. Yep, so... We'll have to wait and see. And we may not ever yeah, get no, the I mean, I mean, that but that's okay. also, you know... I, to go down the cheesy route that's also kind of part of life right you know you look for answers and you might not get them that's just kind of that's part of it and it's it's not always the best thing but you know that's that's just something that sometimes there's sometimes there's not answers sometimes it's about the question not the answer and that's that's another thing so um real quick those shout outs guys uh potato do who who do we want to do shout outs for from you ah um yeah, be, shout out to you guys for being green for just, you know, let me jump in here last minute. Uh, and just everyone we saw at Guardian Con. Uh, I know Doom was there. I know we didn't get to hang out too much Doom. Um, Hex and all the guys from Hydra and Wicked and uh, Razor and everybody that I'm forgetting because it is 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, no, it was, it was great to see everyone at Guardian Con. Can't wait till next year. Uh, again, thank you guys for letting me in on here, speaking my ramblings and my... Uh, Spin foil and theories and stuff. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, Green, what about you guys? Green, can what about you? Find me anywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, I'll, and of course, I will I will include links to Potato Stuff all with the with this episode. Um, so when you hear top three, also just go back to the show notes for this episode and they'll be, they'll be there as well. Or you can hit the Podbean site. We always have the links embedded in there as well. Um, but Green, what about you? Ah, uh, two. It's mostly... It's... T- uh, it's the two people, one who is here, one who is not, both voice actors, one to Mr. Potato himself, our vo- voice actor extraordinaire. If you guys have never <laughs> listened to the, the what, what do we loyal. call them? The lore supplements? Yeah, oh yeah, the oh, audio uh, supplements, audio yeah. Su- the audio supplements, yeah. The audio supplements. So Most Loyal is one of them that Potato did. Most, Potato's done a few different ones and is currently in the process of working on another one. Go listen to them. Um, they're very well done there's lots of dynamic aspects to it uh i don't know how you do some of the things with your voice that you do and it's it is impressive and my shout out goes to both you and morla uh miss eris morn herself because you both managed to basically make me speechless while sitting next to you both at guardian con listening to you guys talk about essentially grunting Oh yeah, the singing, uh, so, oh, the, the singing uh, the ball conversation. Ex- yeah, the ball, yeah. Ex- the, the ball huh. exercise. The ball yeah. exercise. Yeah. The yeah. It was it was them grunting at like 10 a.m. the second day of Guardian <laughs> Con, and I'm sitting here it's just so, smiling because I know exactly what they're so doing. It's so funny listening to that with like the idea that someone who has no idea what you're saying is going to be like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like that's that's awesome. Uh-huh. I'm okay with this. Are you talking but... about? Yeah, basically, it's fine. It's voice acting, it's voice training, vocal training. It's It was just very fun to watch both of you talk to each other because you guys are both very adamant about your craft in your own ways. You with your, your haunted houses and <laughs> the the marathon of what goes into that and her with her her career, essentially. So it's very, my shout outs go to both of you and any voice actor out there who is passionate about what they do. She was an absolute sweetheart and uh, very, very nice and very, very humble. 
and she shared a couple of stories with us uh, later that night. We actually ran into her again at the bar later that night, uh, and she shared some amazing story of just the influence for how she got the emotion behind Eris yeah. and things like that. And that was that's an awesome that story. Was, yeah. And it was awesome story. And mm-hmm. um, but no, absolutely, I share that sentiment. Sorry, you're good, <laughs> Blue. Uh, just a big shout out to, again, to everyone who is in live chat now. Um, we appreciate you guys being in there, making sure that I'm not speaking incorrect information. I love the fact checking from everybody. Um, I also love like watching the, just the humor that you guys bring to this, this, that just, that makes my night. Um, and so really big thank you. If you haven't been able to make it to a live stream, I really encourage you to try. It's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a hilarious event. Um, much more unfiltered than the, the eventual audio file that you guys are listening to on the podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but it's, it's, (laughs) it's an enjoyable, I think, I think that a lot of people enjoy it. Um, but yeah, that, and then also if you're not in our discord chat, you know, I definitely encourage you to get in there and, and interact with everyone there. It's just, I, it, you guys are a great group. Destiny's community has always been a just freaking amazing place. And I, I'm just so thankful that you guys are there, uh, because you make gaming what, like you guys are the, the embodiment of what a gaming community should be, um, and I think that is not said enough, and I think that it needs to be said more, but I think that's really, really important to remember. So again, just thank you for being you, uh, whoever you are. Um, but yeah, so with that being said, we will see you next week. We are going to be talking about, I believe, Sparrow Racing next week, so that should be interesting. We might Marcus Wren. I was about to say we might be ratcheting down a little bit further and looking at Marcus Wren in particular. I think that's I think that's kind of where a lot of the conversation that I've seen so far has been been going, which makes sense. He's pretty prolific right now in the lore. Um so Marcus and Dee might might be well, they will be guest of honor, I guess, on the on the topic <laughs> on the topic board there. So you guys have a great week. Hopefully your week is not too hard and we will see you next week on either the live chat or in your podcast feed. See ya. Bye. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can also be found at www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments or questions for our team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all the amazing work being featured over on thelorenetwork.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.